Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Here's Vaughn with some room past the 20, and Vaughn might be gone. He's got incredible speed, outrunning Bama defenders inside the 20. Vaughn inside the 10, dies for the end zone. Touchdown, K-State. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Card will hand it off for Roshan Johnson through the car wash. Johnson stays up. Oh, Oh, no, he didn't. Touchdown. That is absolutely insane from Roshan Johnson. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. On the right hip and now to the left to Spencer Rattler. Quick throw intercepted. Jeremiah Trotter heading for the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Third and goal. Looking to tie the game. Oh, they get him. DeMarvian Overshone comes in like a missile. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome into 365 Sports. Friday as we head into the weekend and Craig, I think that if you really broke down how many people in college football media are actually doing stuff today, not half, but like 39 to 42% are in this room based on me trying to get guests for the show today because we're about to have a flurry of stuff next week as media days kick off. We'll be at Big 12 Media Days on Wednesday and Thursday next week. Um, one of the people in college football media is not here. You see, Smokey, not here. So, but we do. Uh, fortunately, we got a great super chat from Hayden Maxwell at the very end of, of yesterday's show and did not have time to get to it because he sent it right in the middle of the top five, so we could not get to it. So we're going to start off the show with that today. We also have uh, Colin Wilson, who uh, authored those uh, uh, over-unders 
about the you know all the teams in the country, but had some different ones. We're going to break down how he got to those over unders or not over unders the um, the underdog and favored odds on on betting and why Baylor and Oklahoma State are kind of on opposite ends of that spectrum. Baylor, he thinks, will be favored 10 times. He thinks Oklahoma State will be the underdog 10 times. We'll have Brian Estridge to talk a little TCU with us as they get voted fifth in the Big 12 preseason media poll. And Josh Neighbors, uh, one of our new guys, he's over on Crystal Ball College Football. I was on his podcast last night. He is going to uh, join us today. And uh, we'll just talk all things Big 12 and realignment and whatnot at 4.30. And we're going to replay Phil Bennett at five o'clock and then the top five. So, Craig, let's just dive right into the super chat from Hayden. And thank you so much, Hayden. I hope you do get a chance to see this and I hope you're watching now. But if not, I hope you get a chance to see it later. He said, Craig and Paul, I'm done talking about realignment. I won't believe it until it happens, but I do have one big question. Give me your best guess at when the final straw for the Pac-12 media deal has to be released. Otherwise, they get raided, schools leave, and they finally dissolve. I'll go right ahead if you have a better answer. Uh, if you have an answer right now, I have to kind of sit here and think I, about this for I a would, second. I would say the final straw is at some point during the season. You know, if they're not, if they're into the season and this is continuing to drag on, then I think we know what is happening uh, here. I was, I thought that by media days would be the best day to have some sort of answer because that's July twenty first and. You know, George Klyovkov has to go up and face the media at media days. That's the point. Um, it would be shocking to have a commissioner not go up and speak to the media at media days. So I don't see any circumstance where he doesn't speak to them at all. But for him to not have any answers on the media deal by July 21st would be really tough for the Pac-12 to navigate from July 21st to whenever they do get that media deal. But I do think the last straw, if you really have to look at it, has to be sometime towards you know as the season's winding on because then you're you're at a point where you know you're almost to the end of the football season and you don't know in less than a year what your media right situation is going to be yeah I mean I don't think there's a, a firm deadline really um I don't know we haven't really touched on it at all the whole you know pushing back I mean we talked you know San Diego State the day we came back on Wednesday and got into that a little bit and how confusing that, that whole thing was. And, you know, I still don't rule out that San Diego State could find a way to join the Pac-12, like, sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I, I think that that's still very much in their future, just maybe not as quickly as anticipated. But uh, I feel like if something were to get done by July 21st, which is kind of what was suddenly, you know, this new deadline because of media days and all that, I mean, why did the San Diego State fiasco happen to begin with? Like, if you think it's going to be done in two weeks that you couldn't have, like, somehow had a idea in the month leading up to that that this was soon and yeah go ahead and make your exit like does that you know what I mean yeah. like if it if it's going to be done in two weeks they couldn't have had more of an idea to tell San Diego State like no you're free to to explore and you don't have to worry about backtracking but instead San Diego State explored got the door shut on them backtracked and are now back in the Mountain West for the time being. So, yeah, I don't see how it gets done in the next two weeks um, unless it just doesn't include San Diego State, which I think what that would also be equally shocking. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, I know it's a question that everybody would love an answer to, like a hard answer of, hey, July 28th, if nothing happens by then, like this all goes into effect. But I don't think there's a firm deadline other than, yeah, just sometime during the season. And I hate to, you know, prolong it because I'm certainly not trying to, you know, 
see it go much longer than it already has. But I don't think that there's like a, this has to happen before the season or else. I don't think, uh, you know, beyond what you said of, you know, there is a contract that is eventually due. I do think in the next, you know, few months or at some point during the season would be probably about the last time you'd want to be talking about this. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But I don't think it's like it has to be done before kickoff of game number one. Uh, but, you know, sometime – uh, you know, not too long after that, you would hope just for everybody's own sanity that something would happen, not even for a deadline, but everybody's own sanity at that point. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't feel like Media Days is forcing anything, although that would be really nice. If we get to talking about who the Pac-12 champion is going to be and you don't know what network that game is going to be on a year from now, then I do think you've got a problem. You've got a right. severe problem. I think that's when the things start to really, you know, uh, get desperate and not to say that decisions maybe not be made before then contingent on if we get to this point then we're going to you know as soon as the season's over just be like well I guess we're out of the Pac-12 if you're one of those teams who who wants to leave and has a spot to go uh, but that is the other thing about this is that the Pac-12 media deal if none of them are going to leave because you know, they just don't have the landing spots to go or, you know, some of them will, but then you'll just take the media deal that comes along and, and then you'll, there'll be a Pac-12 in some form or fashion, but it'll be different. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the, uh, the conference itself is as fatalistic as the world around it yet, but it, it's got to be probably getting there as to, you know, where the contingency plans are for everything. Well, based on some advocates, uh, there's no issue at all. This is totally normal, and uh, this is all on a timeline that was, you know, totally normal from the very beginning, and this is all just the status quo. Um, I, I think that's BS, but whatever. Uh, you know, whatever you got to do to make yourself feel better about it. I, I think they'd much rather have announced something months ago, uh, no matter how complicated the deal and avoided a lot of this, but is it really – you know, anything to concern yourself with in the long run if you land a deal that's satisfactory? No. So, you know, you put up with a bunch of crap from people uh, for a year and you get what you want in the end. doesn't really matter. Uh, but, you know, the longer it goes, the more crap you hear and the more that people start to doubt themselves. And, you know, sometimes realignment is as much of a, a mind game thing as it is anything else of just, you know, people getting paranoid, people worrying about their own security. And then that leads to one thing or another. And certainly there was some aspect of that uh, early on months ago really that had heated up the whole oh my gosh the, the conference on the brink is somebody gonna jump you know I think a lot of that was intentional I think some of that was actual paranoia because people were wondering like, where the heck is this thing going um, but you know they've lasted this long they seem to be nearing a finish line I know we've said that before but you know at this point, the finish line is like the actual like end of the year, and you know we're getting closer to that than we are to the first half of the year. So you automatically think that well, naturally you've got to be getting closer. Uh, but yeah, I wish we could say it's a week out, uh, but it could be you know still months until they actually uh, do announce something. Although you know again, all signs point to it being before that, but we've seen that from their media, from you know that like it was in the spring, and then it was in mid spring, and then it was in late spring, and then it was early summer, and then it was midsummer, and here we. Are. We're going to be in late summer here pretty soon, so you know, I don't know how much to believe out of, of anything really at this point as far as timelines go. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what that ultimately looks like and what, uh, if any, you know, sort of 
things result from that, like a San Diego State expansion ticket or an SMU expansion ticket and, you know, other possibilities. I don't know how strong of chances there are that, you know, anybody else gets a phone call, but those two are still very much in this this waiting game. So we wait, and I feel like I've done this show now 15 times saying that very same thing, if not more than that, but yeah. that's – that's still the Whoa. same story as always. 367 days ago, they said that they were beginning TV negotiations. and It's all according to plan. So, the Big 12 got theirs done in um, like a 1-30th of that time as far as getting the, you know, getting yeah, a deal. and To be fair, they basically just re-signed the, yeah. the deal they had. I mean, so that doesn't really take you that long. And, you know, your mark very much was, was cunning and going ahead and, you know, getting them some spots while they could. So we, we're all very aware of how they moved, and, and that was smart. Uh, it appears, unless the Pac-12 comes out and says, like, well, by waiting, we were able to put together this type of deal. I know that's the hope that probably a lot of their fans and, and media have to some extent. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how great that deal looks on the other end. But as far as security and as far as keeping the conference together, the Big 12 did the right thing because I think if they didn't have a deal – and the pack would have already announced by now, uh, surely, then you'd probably have the Big 12 who's sitting there going like, well, where's Kansas going? And where, you know, that would all be going on. The same way it's going on with the ACC, even though there's probably nothing happening there for years uh, to go until something moves. Maybe maybe before then, but again, that could, that could just be years of speculation as of right now. Or it could be something in a year. Like, we really don't know. But for the Big 12, we at least know, like, they can all just look around the room and not be paranoid and know what they're their ticket's going to look like and be, you know, uh, together and feel secure and not have a lot of this, I need to look elsewhere and, oh, my gosh, is, is somebody going to pull the rug out from underneath me? That's what the pac is having to deal with to a certain extent, even though they've all maintained that they're, they're together, they've been together, and at this point you're not going to not be together when you waited this long. So, you know, again, this all – the entire year of talk about this revolves around the same thing that everybody's still waiting on a year later, and that's whatever that TV deal is. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see it, but still have no idea when that's actually going to come. Yeah, I I would love to see the actual timeline. Like somebody, like if, if there's a historian that follows around George Klyovkov in these negotiations that says on July 5th we're starting the deal, and then what happened between that July 5th and two days ago, that's led them to this point where, okay, this was offered this and this and this, and this is where it was. And, you know, even if you didn't know the, who the presidents were that said, well, we don't like that. You know, if it was of the 10 remaining schools, if it was like a seven, three split that there were three that were fine with it. There's seven that weren't and all this down the line, because I'm curious to see how, especially people on the West coast where the media um, savvy is, is supposedly bigger did not, foresee what was coming in the year of media that has and that is the one thing that is not the Pac-12's fault the one thing that's not the Pac-12's fault is that all these media companies um, had their everything hit them all at once and they're now having to pay for deals they made a decade ago uh, or or even less than that they've they spent a lot of money they're trying to cut corners where they can, whether it's personnel or whatever. And then if you're the Pac-12, you're the last one at the table to negotiate a deal and all the corners have been cut that are going to be cut and now you're sitting there trying to ask for money and it's a tough thing to do, especially knowing that there are other things beyond you that are a bigger deal. And so that's not their fault that it fell into that time other than the fact that 
you know, everybody else has started to renegotiate their deal early when they can. And the Pac-12 really didn't do that. They waited until the, the last year of it as where the Big 12, the Big 10, all the other ones had two years left in their deal. That, that's probably where their, their biggest mistake was. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, we've, we've pretty firmly established yeah. in talking about this that, you know, they got the rug swept out from underneath them and the Big 12 jumped in line. Like, that's that's what happened, and, and that's why this whole thing even exists to begin with. So, um, yeah, I mean, we can play a lot of, like, well, they should have or they could have or they would have or, you know, whatever, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, at this point, like, you can sit there and say, well, if we'd have – you know, just talk to ABC or, I mean, it doesn't matter. You, you didn't, and the Big 12 went and grabbed spots, and you have been, you know, the focal point of realignment Twitter and realignment discussion for the better part of a year now. And, you know, along the way, you could have uh, looked back at all these various things. We should have invited Texas back in the day. We should have invited Oklahoma back in the day. We could have invited Oklahoma State back in the day. If we'd have just accepted Baylor back in the day, like, realignment is nothing new, and the Pac-12 has been plenty involved in it over the years. I mean, they could have had Texas. They could have had a contingent of Texas and OU and Oklahoma State and Texas Tech years and years ago. They could have killed off the Big 12 a couple of times, and they didn't. And they, you know, are now potentially paying the price for that, but potentially not. You know, we, we've we uh, seen them get dunked on quite a bit. A lot of that's their own doing, miscalculations PR-wise. But until, you know, you see what that contract looks like, if they turn around and – I know the odds are very slim – but who's to say they don't turn around and, again, like I, I think I brought this up like 11 months ago, like who's to say that in the end they don't make the move that actually is the move that everybody else ultimately follows, you know, as far as the streaming component of this. Now, I'm giving them a lot of credit, and I don't know why I'm giving George Klyovkov, you know, that much credit, but, you know, until we see it, you know, in writing, then that's just as possible as whatever, you know, new rumor from uh, somebody is on, oh, they're only going to make like $9 million a year, which is BS or, you know, anything equivalent to that. Um, now that, if that were the case, you know, well, yeah, let's let's do a deep dive on how they screwed up to get to the point where they were, you know, making that little money, but that's not going to be the case. So, um, you know, yeah, they deserve some criticism as far as maybe some of the handling just for those who want to criticize that. But, um, you know, right now they're still a conference. They're still all together. They're potentially adding, um, and again, until we see this TV deal, then it's all just speculation. It's all just kind of, you know, the same uh, same guessing game uh, that we've been playing all along. Um, but you know, yeah, eventually they're going to have to show their cards. Eventually they're going to have to hold them or fold them. Uh, they've been holding them for a while now, and we're getting to the point where, yeah, they're they're there's actually a season upcoming, and there's going to be an end of a season. There's going to be actually like, hey, where are you playing your games? In the future. It's just not right now on July the 7th or maybe even in the next couple of weeks before their media days or maybe even by the time the first kickoff comes around. But that day is coming, just not soon enough for many of us. And, you know, Dan Patrick uh, or whoever runs his Twitter account, I don't know how that works for him. Um, You know, sometimes you see, like, you know, it's the whatever show and it's just some random intern does the actual tweets. So I don't know how Dan Patrick's show uh, Twitter account works. Um, I, is that just his Twitter account? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like it's just DP show. So I don't know yeah. if that's actually Dan Patrick or not. Uh, but you know, they put out there yesterday, uh, sources say San Diego state's planning on joining the PAC 12 conference. Also hoping to add SMU with Boise state and UNLV being long shot possibilities. So, you know, put as much credence into that as you want to. Uh, but you know, that's still teasing the San Diego state SMU additions, and, um, you know, I've, I've found that long interesting because of what that would mean for those two schools and just kind of the dynamics overall. The addition of Boise State and UNLV here 
is quite interesting, and I think makes for some fun speculation. I don't know how much I buy into that, which is why I certainly wonder who's actually tweeting this. Is it him, or is it like a third co-host I mean, on the show? You they, know what I mean? I mean, one of those guys could have right. reported, they could report it and talked about it, and you know, people call, Dan Patrick has people you can just call and ask directly. I mean, Yeah, but this is, un, this yeah. is unsolicited. This is, yeah. sources say, San Diego State is still planning on, this is a report from yeah. whoever's running the account, so... You know, I don't know if that's just kind of the same old that's been talked about or um, if there is, you know, smoke or if that's a PR move because don't get it twisted. The Big 12 is not the only one that's had, like, PR moves made throughout this whole process. Kind of like when you started hearing all of a sudden these these Pac-12 presidents all in the same week just just coincidentally started all talking at the same time when things got really dire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it works both ways. And, and so, yeah, that could be somebody from the Pac saying – nudge nudge wink wink you know the big rumor is because they want it out there or that could be like actually some you know inside info it's hard to tell you know over well, social media san diego state telling him that yeah exactly like you yeah. call up like, somebody who knows calls up san diego state and goes hey well, what's the plan here if you guys did this and then they say okay well um you know don't quote me on this directly but you know the us and SMU want to join the Pac-12. We think that's going to happen eventually. And then Boise State and UNLV are, are long shots to get there, which would put them, if they lose no one at, at 14, I would say the reason Boise State and UNLV would be listed as long shot is if they lost anybody. I don't see it, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I actually, I, I mean, the UNLV thing, I could see just the Las Vegas, the long play there. I know some people try to convince the Big 12, uh, or at least talking to us, you know, the UNLV fans, shout out to you of why they try to convince us of, yeah, why they would be a good addition. And, um, you know, I, I understand why. I mean, that's a that's a hustling, bustling place and uh, sports capital probably of America in so many ways and will be that uh, the more we just embrace gambling like it was never a bad thing ever and it's now the greatest thing ever, uh, that will only remain the case and, and become even more so for Vegas. So if you think that somehow translates to UNLV or trickles down to them, then, yeah, I mean, you hold your media, you hold your, uh, your media days there be a hell of a time to announce UNLV, right? Um, but that uh, I need to see that happen before I, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, buy into that until I see see the actual announcement because I, I don't know. That just feels like if you were struggling to get a media deal and all of a sudden because you're adding Boise State and UNLV and SMU and San Diego State, that's, that's what set it off. I don't know. Um, but that would be awfully interesting. And, uh, you know, I – if they were to do that because of where they are, I actually wouldn't hate that. I think Boise's a no-go, though. I don't, I don't buy into that. I really don't. Um, I know that their fans would love it and deserve it in so many ways, uh, but I just wonder where the additive is there. They're, they're but the Las Vegas get... thing, I can, I can see that, although I know immediately be like, they have no fans, nobody cares, the, you know, the academics or whatever you know, would be the typical response. But having a presence in Vegas, I can see the logic there. Yeah, Boise is trying to get ready to be – a candidate for those things and they are close but i don't think they're they're in the in the spot where they could do it you know if the pac-12 called it tomorrow and said you're in they'd be like great but they'd also like shut the door and go okay we've got a lot of work to do <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do uh and look we we know their athletic director really well uh jeremiah dickey uh is fantastic he's a young guy um and is is a you know a, a, a rising star in the industry but yeah, I mean they would have a lot of work to do to be ready tomorrow to do that. So I do well, think, buddy, if you're if you're not ready now, when are you gonna be ready? Because yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess to start, I mean, like they're right. they're they're making the progress, but part of it is getting the donations in, sure, making sure, and part of joining a Power Five conference is not just everything you have; it is 
um, making sure that when you when you hit the ground, you can kind of hit the ground running as opposed to be behind the eight ball a little bit more, which you're going to be as a new team anyway, but don't put yourself behind the eight ball any more than you have to be. I think that's why, you know, they'd like it to be a little bit, um, you know, further along than they are. And they're close. I think they're close. They could easily do it in a year or so, I, I think. But, like, if it was one of those things that's like, you know, hey, we've got to announce this today, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know what how much a difference a year makes for yeah. them. I mean, I feel like, you know, you've kind of been on this let's get into the P5, you know, train for a while yeah. now. So, I mean, I understand, like, you might not have every facility up to date, but as far as a game plan and infrastructure and stuff ready to go, if you don't have it by now, then don't cry when you don't ever get an invite. Yeah. I mean, you've had advanced warning for years now. Same thing for Memphis. Same thing for everybody who's been, you know, San Diego State, BYU, I mean, yeah, not everything's going to be perfect, but I mean that you know whether everything's ready or whether you're just ready as an entity to make that move um, is two different things. And so, yeah, I would I would hope that for Boise State's sake, if there's a phone call, they're ready to make that move at a moment's notice, and they'll figure out the rest later. Um, because I don't know how many more phone calls there are going to be, quite frankly. And um, you know, the more we move along here, the more momentum there is for um, you know calling a, a spade a spade, and you know separating these teams more than they've probably ever been separated generally um, of, you know, not just not a power five, there's a power two, you know, there's yeah. not a, you know, and, and so I feel like we're moving more in that direction. And so, yeah, if you're not ready at this point, I, I don't know when that phone call's well, coming for you. And they, look, they might be ready. I just know that, um, you know, they were, they were still in the process of making sure that it, they had everything yeah, ready I just don't know go. if them being ready yeah. is still good enough, yeah. right, uh, for, well, yeah, for the you, pack. you got to uh, be wanted, and the pack also, to take a school like, to take a school like Boise State is going to, which there's nothing wrong with Boise State at all, but it's going to take a lot of humility on their part as well. Is them admitting like, oh, well, we need to be in Idaho now. You know, like that, that's... That's going to be a, a thing that the Pac-12 will have to swallow because... They have been, and that like what part of the reason they're in this spot is they are they are a little bit, and not that they're the only one, but they're they're pretty elitist when it comes to what they consider their membership. Oh, absolutely, and, that trickles down too. Yeah, and so because of that, like you're going to have to be like, well, you know, I know all this time that we said that we're not interested in A, B, and C, but maybe we were wrong about that, and that's hard for people at certain levels to do. Well, um, I can't relate. Uh, I've never been that pretentious in my life and never will be to, to oh man, I've, God, I can't believe we have to announce Boise's in the car. Like, I, I just can't relate to, to that level of nose in the air type of attitude, um, you know, and maybe it doesn't yeah, ever occur anyways because they are of that mindset or because the fit's just not right. I don't know, but that was a report from whoever's running Dan Patrick show's Twitter account. Uh, Would have been nice if his initials were attached and you say, oh, that's Dan, so you can lend a little bit more credence to it, but I don't know about... I don't really know his uh, his whole crew, but uh, you know it's different if it's Dan versus whatever their names are. Uh, it's like Paul something, Paul Pabst or something. Yeah. I think is one. I just haven't. I I, I don't mean that I mean, disrespectfully. I just yeah. haven't. A- Andrew Perloff has his own. Okay, show there. Now, yeah, so, yeah. I, I just haven't checked in in a really long time. Uh, so yeah, that's not disrespectful. I just uh, I do give more more uh, credence to to Dan Patrick himself, and I know he's little. He's dabbled a little realignment things here and there. Like, I've seen little clips of his show where he's he's talked about it from time to time, and I don't know what his scorecard is, like how many times it's actually led to something that's 
you know, legit or if it's just whispers that come and go and we forget about them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that was something that I, I saw last night. And uh, the UNLV thing, I think, yeah, like I said, the Las Vegas play, maybe that's a long-term move. I don't know. But uh, just another thing to throw into the big pile of rumors as uh, this saga you know, goes on into month 12 now, if not, you know, give or take a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to play re- replay Phil Bennett later, and I know we have to take a break, but I, I do want to mention one thing he said that I, I found it's very funny about decisions you make at a conference that, look, predated George Klyovkov, but they were paying rent on an office building in San Francisco, which is a really dumb financial move to do. Like, rent's very high there. There's other places you could go have your conference office, even in California where property value is really high that you would save millions of dollars than renting a place in San Francisco. Like, honestly, millions upon millions of dollars. And they've moved out of that office and all that, but those decisions where, you know, let's go buy in this neighborhood. Well, like, do you need to be in that neighborhood? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. You could, could have done the same thing somewhere else and saved a lot of money. I do think George Klyovkov would probably love to move the conference office to Vegas, you know, completely and sure. and have it there. So um, while real estate values are, are, are going up there, it would still be one of those, those deals. So, all right, when we come back, Colin Wilson, Action Network, joins us, tells us why Baylor could be a favorite 10 times and Oklahoma State could be a dog 10 times. This is 365 Sports. Make this the summer sales event going on now at Allen Samuels. Shop our large selection of new inventory and get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler minivans, or a sporty Dodge. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIP. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service find out more on instagram or just go by and see them lakeshore drive at north 19th street behind the bank
Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Colin Wilson of the Action Network joins us now. And Colin... I imagine that you've had a lot of, I know you have a couple of shows to do after us today. You've had a lot of requests on this because when you put out these numbers that you run and look at, I mean, this wasn't something I know that you just said, I'm going to throw this at the wall and really make all of Stillwater, Oklahoma mad. Uh, but, <laughs> but when you got this, I imagine you got a lot of requests for people asking you to break down what you, what you did. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the, the the information that got out there, the Louisville fans were very happy. They were pounding their chests. Uh, everybody else that's in the ACC was a little, I think, uh, couldn't believe what they were seeing. But, you know, it's really, it's a thing where you create a power rating and that's how you base your win totals for every team. Now, if you're only favored by like one point, you're only about a 53% chance to win. So just because it says you're favored like in all 12 games, doesn't mean that you're necessarily a huge favorite to win all 12 of those games. It, like there are teams like, uh, you know, for instance, that are, you know, USC and Oregon is a one point game. USC and Washington is a one point game. So, you know, there's a lot of those out there and then it just kind of chips kind of fall down. And, and Louisville was one of those teams that ended up looking really good. Uh, well, uh, we'll start here at home because we're we're doing this show from Waco. You had Baylor as a team you picked to be a favorite in ten games. Why did yes. you have them in your power rankings that way? What about them says that even though I know there might be a lot of those might be one point games, but what is the the positivity on, on Baylor from you? Yeah, Baylor got some really positive marks from me from what we call second-order win total, and that is if you lose a bunch of close games that you should have won, then that works in your favor when you do off-season adjustments. I think of that TCU game right away, right? I mean, the last second run out there, kick a field goal. You know, I mean, that was Baylor's game the entire time. And then they're offensively, Shapen has a lot coming back, especially in the running back, you know, with Richard Reese. And, I mean, there's, there's just so 
much talent in that backfield. And then on defense, I know that we're turning to a new defensive coordinator, but that really doesn't matter with the Dave Aranda team. It's going to be multiple. It's going to be a lot of personnel, uh, a lot of different personnel. And they, they really kind of treaded water uh, as far as from a returning production standpoint and, and inheriting players from the portal. They were pretty much even on defense. On offense, they took a really big step with a lot coming back. So, you know, they're going to know their identity. Jeff Grimes has, has been around. He's one of the most innovative offensive coordinators out there. And if Blake Shapin isn't throwing interceptions or fumbling the ball, uh, you know, Baylor's going to have themselves. I mean, last year, I went into Big 12 Media Day. They're projected to win everything. Uh, this year, I'm going in, and, and they have very low expectations. And I think that they will surprise Colin, how does that work when uh, when riding that line of teams that maybe lost a bunch of close games and expecting them to fare better versus teams like, let's say, a TCU that won a bunch of close games, does that swing the other way? Like, how does how do you determine which which way that door's swinging? It, it, it does. You're right. And so and so, what you do is is you we have some advanced box scores where it's not just hey, the final score was TCU wins by one or two points. There's also uh, an expected win percentage that you have at the end, right? And it's based upon yards. Like you could get doubled up in yards, but actually win the game because you were given six turnovers. Turnovers are such a huge part of it, right? And it's like USC last year. It's like, I, I did everything in the world not to downgrade them too much in power ratings because they had 22, 24 net turnovers go their way. So that's a big part of it. So you look at expected win totals, expected win percentage at the end of a box score, and that's how you kind of tally up and say, well – this team won nine games, but they probably should have won six. But it, it, it really worked in Baylor's favor this year. Not TCU so much. They, they, they took a lot of licks in my power range. How much is that is because that their almost entire offense is new and you don't know much about them? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm an I'm a Arkansas Razorback alum, uh, and Kendall Browse is on his way down there, and that is a lot different offense than what Garrett Riley was running. They took, you know, TCU took one of the worst marks for me as far as whether returning on offense. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a boatload of new names back there, uh, you know, from the running back perspective. And the offense is going to change with Kendall Browse a little bit. Uh, you know, Garrett Riley taking his schemes and everything to Clemson. So, you know, TCU had one of the biggest uh, knocks and power ratings for me in the offseason. I think I've got them around mid uh, mid in the, in the Big 12, not to make any disruption whatsoever. And I think if they tread water and win seven games, it's a, it's a really great season for them. As I'm sure you've uh, seen, there's a lot of love out there for for Texas, a big year for the Big 12, and, and the SEC obviously as well, as there's going to be this move of OU and Texas to the SEC after after this season. Uh, you've got both Oklahoma and Texas as uh, you know a favorite in 11 games, and they do have to play each other as well. But can you just kind of give us your thoughts on on how they're both positioned, and obviously they're going to usually have a talent advantage over everybody, but why do you also like right. both of those teams? Well, it's funny. It's like Oklahoma does play out to be favorites in 11, but more that's a product of the rest of the Big 12 being pretty average this season. Uh, you know, we're bringing in four new teams that are stepping up, and, and, and from a recruiting perspective, they're going to have to step up and play a lot tougher games in the Big 12. And, you know, there's still the West Virginians and the Kansases of the world that are trying to find a defense. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma isn't necessarily a team I'm in love with. It just happens that their power rating is higher than everybody they're facing with the exception of Texas. So Texas, I, I have two completely different views on these teams. I think Texas absolutely can make the college football playoff. I think they are head and shoulders above the rest of the league. They are, at least from a recruiting, from a talent, from a portal. Number of years we've been in the Sark system or Pete Kwiatkowski on the other end. This is a team that finished top 20 in some of the biggest things that tell us how much we think a college football team is going to do. Success rate. How often are you getting first down? 
finishing drive. Texas was 13th last year on offense. If they got past the 40-yard line, they were putting a touchdown up on the board. Offensive havoc. That's how many times do you fumble? How many times do you get stopped in your drive? They were 12th in the nation. I mean, they were the same, same on defense, too. Top 25 in all these metrics. It just needs to play out into wins. Uh, you know, it, it's time to step up in the fourth quarter and execute. Uh, you know, getting beat by TCU was a shock last year. But Texas, by far, has more talent than anybody else in the Big 12. And anything less than winning the Big 12 and going to the playoff would be a disappointment. Would you see them winning the Big 12 but not going to the playoff? If they have two losses. We have one more year of this little college football playoff, only four only four teams where if they've never let a two-loss team in, they finally let some group of fives in. Uh, you know, it, it's the, the, the college football playoff just has these rules that if, if you have two losses, you're immediately knocked out, and an at-large with one loss would get in. So, you know, I don't necessarily think Texas is going to lose at Alabama. I mean, that's really such a huge game for them in terms of college football playoff. It's not a huge game for them in terms – of getting to Arlington and winning the Big 12. But, you know, I, I am very hard-pressed to find enough losses on this Longhorn schedule that keeps them out from getting from Arlington. It just matters if they're going to run the table in conference play and lose to Alabama or – I mean, they, there's a lot of avenues to get to the playoffs. They should get to the playoffs. I think they have a great chance of upsetting Alabama. So, um, you know, I've, I've pocketed my own money on the Longhorns uh, winning the Big 12. So I'm ready to back them even though I, I never have before. So why do you like Cincinnati so much? I mean, they're they're a team that's uh, got the coaching change, uh, the move into the conference, a uh, lot of questions there, but uh, you got them favored in ten games. Uh, what what is it about the Bearcats? Yeah, I'm not. I'm big on the on the Bearcats defense. Uh, you know, they they definitely have uh, proved it year after year. They do have a little bit of a softer schedule, uh, even though you know I think I had them favored in ten games. I still have their win total around six. Uh, you know, that it, it goes to one of those things where a lot of the games that they're favored in, it's extremely close. It's within three points. Right. Uh, so I'm not really a big fan of, uh, of Satterfield, uh, you know, pinning apology letters, to the Louisville fan base for, you know, interviewing for other jobs. He is a good coach. He was at App State. He was at Louisville, but that fan base never gave him a chance. So I think he's got a chance to kind of surprise her because there are extremely low expectations. If you look at that Big 12 media yeah. preseason poll that came out, they were way down. And like you said, this is not your – they're going to win 10 games. This is – they're going to be favored <laughs> in 10 games because, yeah, when you see that initially, it's like Cincinnati 10. Like, whoa, buddy. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Oklahoma yeah, State – Yeah, they, they have a lot of – Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say they have a lot of games. There's, there's just a lot of games in the, in the Big 12 where, you know, they're very close because this league is very – a lot of teams are clones of each other when it comes to a power rating perspective, and not a lot of them are four points away from each other. And I'm staring at Cincinnati's schedule now, and there's just a lot of games that are within four points. Uh, Oklahoma State it, is a team that you have right there with them as well. Uh, you talk about a, a mysterious outlook. Uh, you know, Gundy's got the track record, but they've got a lot of questions as well. Um I'm just kind of in general fascinated by the Cowboys and, and don't quite know what to expect. I mean, you have them as, as favorites. Again, favorites, not necessarily wins, but do you think they're going to be pretty good versus, you know, like Cincy where you said you still see them kind of winning six games? Is, is that how you feel about Oklahoma State or do you think their stock's a little bit higher? I I hate going against Dundee. I really do. This is a guy that's, what, made 17 straight bowls. Yeah. Uh, Alan Bowman's coming in. And I remember Alan Bowman back at Texas Tech. The knock on him was is that he is an extremely exceptional quarterback when it's a hot read, when he can hit his first target. 
But when you make him check down, his efficiency really dropped. And he has just not been able to stay healthy. I believe he had that punctured lung while he was at Texas Tech. And, and, you know, we have a new defensive coordinator coming in. And it seems like from an offensive and defensive perspective, we just keep rotating coordinators in and out. There just hasn't been a lot of stability there since Oklahoma State was winning 10 games. And I think the worst thing is, is you know, this defense finished 119th in tackle grading last year on PFF. And that that is going to – it's just really tough. That, that just relates back to coaching. And I don't want to count Gundy out because he always makes a bowl. I think the win total is perfect at six and a half. I project him at 5.9. But at the same time, you know, it, the portal has changed so much of college football. And some of these coaches have figured it out. And some of these coaches have not figured it out at all. And if you haven't figured out the portal at this point about how to get them to come in, I'm thinking of Brian Kelly at LSU. I'm thinking of Lincoln Riley at USC. There are some teams that have adopted the portal and made it a big part of their identity. Oklahoma State hasn't done that. And, you know, it's going to catch up with everybody in college football that has not adopted the portal and gone after these players. Yeah, I, I do. I think Brian Kelly, if you if you look at it, I think he would be – obviously he's got a gun for like a number one recruiting class every year. But if he gets a top ten recruiting class and a top five portal class, then that kind of averages out to where you maybe want to be. Yeah, and, and Oklahoma State finished up 22nd in portal rankings, which isn't bad. But on a Power 5 level, you know, I mean, it, you want to be top 20, you want to be top 10. When you have as many holes as they have from last year, Oklahoma State finished 97th in offensive success rate. They had a problem protecting the ball that goes back to the offensive line. Um, you know, defensively, they have become l- less aggressive year in and year out since Colin Oliver was a freshman. Uh, so, you know, they, Gundy's got to turn it around here, but not the kind of guy that I want to go against and put my money against because he's proven everybody wrong so many times before. What team in the middle of your power rankings do you think nationally that will, even though they might be like Tennessee, you have 41st. They have very lofty expectations for themselves this year, obviously. But who do you think is that team that could be, you know, the TCU of uh, of this year? Oh, boy. Uh <laughs> TCU was an interesting case. I took a Big 12 feature on them at 20 to 1, and I, you know, went down and talked to Sonny Dykes at Big 12 Media Days, and I asked him, I said, Coach, you're going to win the Big 12, but what are you going to do in that SMU game? And then, so, uh, you know, he was, he was happy to hear that, that I had him, uh, picked for, to win the Big 12. But if there's a team that I think is not getting a lot of love, and they probably should be, it would be Auburn over in, uh, the SEC. And I'm a big believer in Hugh Freeze. Uh, Hugh Freeze was just at Liberty, went into Arkansas's home turf and beat them on their own turf. Uh, Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss and beat Saban twice when Alabama was peak Alabama. This guy knows how to coach. Uh, he's got the proper coordinators, and Auburn brings back everybody on offense, which includes Jarquez Hunter, running back. He's one of the most elusive running backs in all of the nation. They pulled Peyton Thorne, a quarterback from Michigan State, who's excellent at play action. He has a, a very high... Uh, is a very high adjusted efficiency rating on passes over 20 yards. And then they've got a backup quarterback, you know, Robbie Ashford, who's there before that can run the RPO. They have players to run every kind of offense that Hugh Freeze wants to run. And everybody's just shutting Auburn out from even thinking about them because of, you know, what happened there last year and firing your coach midseason, letting Cadillac take over. Auburn's not getting enough love in the market whatsoever. And I am not positive that I believe that Alabama has figured out their problems, nor do I think Texas A&M is anywhere out of the weeds with their quarterback situation. So I, 
you know, I think Auburn's really the team to look at from a long shot standpoint. Yeah, no, I think they're going to be fascinating there with with good old Hugh Freeze. That's going to be a, an interesting little experiment. I, I want to rewind just a second though. So you had twenty to one TC to win the Big Twelve last year. So does that mean that, like, <laughs> what what was that like when they're sitting there knocking on the doorstep of the goal line and and coming up just short? Well, they made the big, they they made the Big Twelve championship game i believe the whole month of november i was it was sweat free right i knew they were going to be in the big Twelve too i mean this is i was like this is the greatest bet ever i, I placed this bet in march and now i just get to free roll in november because they're going to make it but when they got there uh you know there was a, a pretty hefty bet when you have and if you want to do the math on whatever your bet size is you have a 20 to 1 hanging in your pocket and it comes down to a single game and the spread on that game is nearly a pick, that's going to allow you to hit the other side, which I was more than happy to take a piece off of Kansas State and say this is going to be one heck of a payday. So it was actually a very sweat-free championship game, and that's kind of why you attack these early markets and want to get down conference futures because, you know, you get into these you get into these conferences like the Big 12 where it's round-robin. Like, I mean, getting into the championship game, you don't need them to be first. You just need them to get into that second slot, and then they got a fighting chance. Is the Pac-12 going to be, in in what's the last year of this iteration of it, maybe the best season they've had in a long time when you've got Oregon, Utah, Washington, uh, 5, 6, 7, and then, and then USC at 14th? There was never a version of Colin Wilson that came out and backed uh, uh, Texas football in the entire Pac-12, but here I am. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love the Pac-12. I mean, minus Stanford and Colorado. I, every other team, I absolutely love what they're doing. I, Washington, they led the nation last year in a stack called available yards, which is if you start on the 20-yard line, you can achieve 80 yards. Washington led the nation in available yards. But the three and four teams in the nation were Oregon and USC, which makes this conference just so unbelievably fun to watch because, you know, these teams all the way down to Oregon State. I mean, if you cannot defend the run, DJ Uyunglele, Damian Martinez, Deshaun, Oregon State can run the ball, drain clock. Uh, it's going to be such a fun conference to watch. Do they cannibalize each other is the problem. I, I, I would hope that we can get a conference champ with one loss, get the Pac-12 in the playoff before we expand, because uh, they really do have some quality teams. The best TV is going to be late at night uh, with, with some of these Pac-12 teams. But, no, I, I truly believe the Pac-12 is going to be very improved. Colin Wilson, Action Network HQ. Colin, great stuff, man. Uh, really appreciate you hopping on the show. You'll be at Media Days on Wednesday? I'll be there. All right, we'll see you there. All right, thanks, guys. All right, Colin Wilson, uh, Action Network HQ. Uh, that was great uh, stuff. They're really interesting. And, again, that we don't do a lot of betting-oriented stuff here because it is not anybody in here. Maybe Levi. It's in his wheelhouse. I don't know. He what are looks- you talking about? We'll sell out. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, flash we'll- like I bet every day of my life. You throw it in a <laughs> No dollar signs look, out there. Like if FanDuel calls, I'm right. picking up the phone before it finishes the first ring. Yeah. But yes, I, but we don't like we don't do a lot of it because again, we'd have to get experts on because we're not by any stretch of the imagine gambling experts. Right. So. Yeah. I think there's there's uh, I think we have a hard time being phony because mm-hmm. we could definitely just wing it. Although you'd probably see through that pretty quickly for those that know what they're doing. But um, yeah, I, it's a uh, it's a market that's been saturated. I feel like that we're Everybody's got picks, and, and hey, if you got them, hey, flaunt them. I, I have nothing against that, but yeah, that's just not been my forte ever, uh, nor have I pretended it to be, and uh, just haven't really delved into that realm all that much, but uh, there's obviously a huge market for it, and uh, sports are flocking to it in every way they possibly can right now, but just in general, to, to hear his 
reasoning. Um, and, you know, when you see that list initially and you're like, wait a second, Oklahoma State, 10 wins. No, 10 games will be favored in. You hear why, and it makes a lot more sense. And that's why it's good to look past just the article and, and actually pick his brain a little bit on it because it, it makes sense once you hear it the way that he laid it out of, yeah, they might be like a half a point favorite, so technically, yeah, they're favored. I mean, it's still hard to imagine that Oklahoma State's like, a favorite in 10 games, but because I can see the Texas thing. I mean, the Texas, look at their schedule right now. The only team you'd pick against them really favored wise, not like you actually think they'll win, but favored, it'll be Alabama. That's the only one. Tuscaloosa, too. Yeah, that's the only one. And, and, you know, then for Oklahoma State, I don't know if I get 10 out of there, but, you know, at least it it makes sense rather than saying he's predicting they're going to win 10. Like when you see Cincinnati at 10, like no way in hell are they winning 10 games. Okay, they're favored. All right, look at the schedule, and you can kind of see how that how that happens. So good to have uh, some some details on what he's going for there. I could fake my way through gambling better than I. I don't know if I've ever told you the story before, but when it, very early in my career, uh, I was on a morning show, and we had a, a advertising deal with Texas Motor Speedway, and they had a radio show that we ran every Saturday morning, and the guy that hosted that show would come on my show like every Thursday. To, to do a NASCAR segment, and I know next to nothing about NASCAR. Like, I, I, I know drivers. I know who they are. I'm not completely ignorant to it, but if you want to get me in the weeds about NASCAR, I cannot do a very productive interview about it. You know, if you want to sit me down with Richard Petty and I can do some research and ask him some historical questions and interesting things, I'd, I'd probably do a great job with that. But week to week, the goings on of the roundy round, I can't do it. And so what I had to do so I didn't sound like a complete buffoon was I would go to the NASCAR website. And I would basically just take the headline and be like, oh, man, just a mess at Talladega this week, Brad. Uh, How does Jeff Gordon and his team rebound from this as we get down the stretch of the playoff? I mean, there's points at the line here. And then he would just take it and run with it, and he knew what I was doing. So it wound up being a fine segment. But afterwards, I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I felt like Will Ferrell in old school where he just, like, snapped out of the trance after he beat James Carville in the debate. I just didn't know because I was like, all right, great. Uh, good. That's good to know about Tony Stewart. And then I kind of move on because sometimes you have to do those things. It's tough to do. Tough to do. Yeah. Um, we don't do that on this show though. No. Don't BS you like that. Um, no. but yeah, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And I don't know. We had, uh, we had a gambling sponsor on the old show at one point and you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the most fun thing in the world because it just reeked of, Rip off. <laughs> Honestly, it, it wasn't like this is Bet MGM and you know blah blah blah, and it's all stylized. This is like this was Vito in the, in the Bronx. Like he's got a hotline number, and I it was given no like. Well, just ask questions. Like you got to be more. You don't just have a guy coming on call and just randomly throw questions out there. You got to have like some sort of structure there, and there was no structure to it each week. Sometimes he was on. Sometimes it was just very. Well, it left a very bad impression to the point of like. I understand they're paying money, but like th- this, this isn't. Well, two two years ago, we had a, a gambling sponsor, and I was thrilled because they were one of my clients, and I was like, "Great, we got into this world." And I said, "You need to give me a guy. Like, who's your best guy that you can come on? That's great on the radio." And they gave me a dude in Vegas who honestly sounded like he was every. We had him on four times before I said, "Look, I'm not doing." I told him, "Like, I can't do this anymore." This right? Really yeah, it was, yeah, and. I, I would say, hey, Barry, uh, I'm just looking at your lines on the website here, and you've got Texas, you know, um, you know, a pretty pretty heavy underdog. And he'd be like, oh, 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 
uh, yeah, the quarterback's hurt. And I'm like, all right, uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope you're, I hope you're okay, but it's just one of those things. And then we had one forever, a guy who was great on our show, but he has a deal with another company now, otherwise he'd probably be on with us uh, even today. But yeah, it's hard because I think there's, it's one of those things, um, you know, there's like two kinds of, of like the, the betting analysts, there's guys who are so, like Colin, who are so good and so in-depth and can explain the things to everybody who's not in the betting world, who's just interested and want to hear why these things are like you and I. And then there's the guys who are like, hey, you know, you got a minus three. I think I take that line. Yeah. I do what I do. You do what you want to do. You know what you want to do, you know. And then it's like, ah, I don't know if this is the guy I want to be talking to right now to right. Make, make myself. I think he's just see. trying to steal my money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I remember the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm now hearing the guy yeah, it was in total, my head. Yeah. And, and the person who set it up wasn't the most helpful. And no. uh, it just it was just it just felt like a scam and I didn't like it. And you know what? I just I. I'm not just going to go along with that. So after a while, I protested, and I think that they eventually just slid off, and I don't know how much money that was. I mean, it couldn't have been to the – like, if it was enough money, we were going to just have to grin and bear through it, but this just was well, never – It was – never also, felt legitimate, and it felt really kind of icky, and um, and and that's not the case. You're right with a lot of the others, and, and but you do have to be mindful of that sometimes. Yeah, yeah they would – and there's, they had a show that was like a 30-minute show we ran on, on Sunday mornings, and it was just them ripping each other. Oh, yeah. And like between – they're like, ah, Pepperoni Steve doesn't know anything. Yeah, Pepperoni Steve doesn't know. He could get hit by a bus. Nobody knows. He's an ugly guy, Pepperoni Steve. And you're like, well, uh, Dallas and the Giants today? Like, what's the, yeah, we'll see. What's your let's take see. on that before I make my bet? Yeah, Pepperoni Steve doesn't know anything. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it was just bad. It was, it was just bad. When we come back, a guy who knows a lot, our good friend Brian Estridge, t- voice of the TCU Horn Frogs, joins us next. This is 365 Sports. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have uh, you know a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. 
In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneersBoys.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, WacoTennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. We are uh, awaiting our good friend Brian Estridge as uh, I think Zoom has to update on both ends every time you open it up. It's ridiculous. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to have him via Zoom here in a second. Josh Neighbors, uh, Crystal Ball College Football, the Neighborhood Watch. Uh, I was on that uh, podcast last night, and I thought, you know what? It's time we cross-promote. And what a better day for it than July 7th uh, in, uh, right as we get right before Media Days. And we'll be at Big 12 Media Days on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And, Craig, Brett Yormark's shaking up another thing in that his State of the Union isn't until noon on Thursday, which usually it was the first thing off the first day of media days at about 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so I, I like that. I like that, uh, you know, we're not just getting set and then everybody has to scramble to go listen to the commissioner, uh, a guy that I'm, I'm never, I've never uh, wondered about scrambling to go listen to because uh, I don't have to. I'm always prepared. Brian Estridge, voice of TCU Athletics, uh, with us here via Zoom. Brian, thanks so much for hang out, uh, hanging out with us today uh, on the show. We'll get to see you next week uh, in Arlington. Um, is it strange to be the best team in the conference one year and then the next year be ranked fifth in the media poll uh, because there's a lot more unknowns than normally would be coming off of a, a national championship game run. Yeah, good to see you, Paul and Craig. I, I was disappointed that Dave's not there because I think I saw his ballot, and, and I think he had Texas 1 and Oklahoma 2. And I was <laughs> going to ask him about that. Uh, yeah, it, it, no, it, yeah, a little surprising, yeah. I mean, 
But but haven't we become accustomed to this? So I mean, isn't Texas always picked high and overrated and fine? I, you know, it, it's almost a, a case where you go, you know what? I got the preseason battle. Do I even do I even vote this year? Uh, you know, because we know that Texas is going to be uh, picked highly, and you know everyone's going to say, look at the talent, look at the roster. But you got to take into account everything. Uh, and we know that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I think there are a lot of question marks in this league. I think that uh, last year we had a ton of questions heading into it. And, and maybe we have a little more answers this year. You know, when you look at a team like Kansas State, and I, and I, I still think that TCU is going to be a, a quality team. And, and um, you know, everybody tells me Texas is going to be, you know, world beaters. So may, maybe that answers some of that. But uh, um yeah, I, I think that might have actually played into Sonny Dykes' hands, to be honest with you, fellas, when he saw that preseason poll. Yeah, Brian, I mean, I guess the good news is, is this the last time we have to see them get overrated in those polls? <laughs> because nope. they, they won't be in there uh, after this year, so we'll be saved from that. But in regards to TCU and just the the monstrous year they, they had, um, just, I mean, an amazing run. How have you seen that, uh, whether it be recruiting, just general enthusiasm, support, belief, uh, in what all ways have you seen that season already start to pay dividends for this program? I think you've touched on all of them there, Craig. I mean, they, they the one thing about this team is that uh, they realize how close they were. Uh, and and they have not lost sight of that. I mean, you, you see it in the shirts that they're wearing, working out. You see it, you hear it in the conversations uh, that they have in the hallway. You saw it in in, uh, in spring practice, to be quite candid with you. I mean, this was a team that knew that they had left something on the table. And, uh, you know, a, a, everywhere you went this summer and you ran into coaches, uh, it, it was it was funny. I was in North Carolina in an event a couple of weeks ago and ran into a, a Division One coach who came up to me, a head football coach, and he said, Man, Sonny did that in his first year. What's he gonna? How do you follow that up? Uh, and, and and coaches are saying that, but I, but I think this team thinks that there's a lot to follow up, uh, you know, and, and that there's a lot to expand on. Now, does the does the win loss total look the same? Maybe not, um, but I, I think they think they can be better. Um, you know, from a from a talent standpoint, for one thing, I think this roster has been upgraded uh, by Sonny Dykes and his staff. Um, I, I think they're excited to see what Kendall Bryles can do offensively uh, with some of the talent that this that this group has. And then let's just face it, you guys know this. You, you went through it with Dave. I mean, you know, another year in the system for this defense has got to be good. Uh, you know, uh, they were kind of learning on the fly at times last year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're poised to have a solid season. I think people are excited about it. I think the league is is going to be great. And uh, what I did, by the way, Craig, this year is I just voted for twelve teams. Uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, on my pre polls. So I, I, I've, I went ahead and moved on. <laughs> I like that. Go ahead and just get with it. Don't get stuck in the past. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Brian. The I guess the biggest question would be how quickly does the offense gel with so many new starters like how does that work and that is that is something that you you can't know until they play against somebody else in different shirts but what do you see from Chandler Morris the new wide receivers the new offensive linemen I mean it is what eight or nine new starters for sure uh, across the board and then you've got guys that would may have contributed last year that are in that but I mean most of that offense is is on to the next level right now a, a lot of it, you and I, I think we talked about this maybe after spring practice. I think maybe maybe I came on with you guys then. The, the one thing that did sort of surprise me, and, and I was out there every day for spring, uh, was that 
there were more players back than I thought because I, I was kind of under the impression maybe I was, you know, it, it, with, with the number of guys that were drafted, the number of guys that had left and the, and, and the, what could have been a senior class. Cause you never really know anymore about COVID, you know, uh, I was thinking, man, this roster is going to be depleted. And, and then I walked out there and on offense, I see, you know, Savion Williams at wide receiver, and I see Chandler Morris, who obviously started the season. Uh, but you got Amani Bailey and Trent Battle, who had played a little bit at, at running back. And, uh, yeah, yeah they, they weren't necessarily the one-two guys, and we know that. But, you know, and then you you had some offensive linemen. The two tackles were back, uh, you know, and, and, and Coleman and Coker, and then the Jared Wiley, the tight end. So it wasn't quite as, you know, bare as I thought, to be honest with you, Paul. But 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 I what you, what I do think you saw were some new guys that raised the level a little bit. Uh, JP Richardson, you you guys know him. I mean, uh, Bucky's boy, who's uh, was at Oklahoma State. I, I I didn't see him drop a ball all spring. Uh, Jojo Earl is a is an, a, a dynamic playmaker. You know who transfers from Alabama. Trey Sanders, the running back from Alabama, he walked by me and I went, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is a this is a big body, fast, you know, sort of get after kind of guy. Patrick Willis is a a transfer offensive lineman, but but then you got guys that you kind of just you plug in that say, okay, now now it's it's your time on an offensive line. Garrett Hayes and and John Lands are a couple of guys that that uh, that come to mind. Hey, now now it's it, it's your time. You got some wide receivers that Major Everhart is a guy that we keep hearing about. There's going to be a, a dynamic player. So, yeah, is he going to take some time yeah undoubtedly it will can, can that get done though in august i think there's a shot based on what you do have coming back and let's not forget that you know when we talk about new faces anymore in college football we're not talking about 17 year old freshmen <laughs> you know we're, we're talking about guys that got snaps under their belt uh, at other places in this case you got snaps under your belt at oklahoma or excuse me at uh, alabama and you got snaps under your belt at oklahoma state and at memphis yeah so all of a sudden you got guys who can play at other places so i, I you know i'm anxious to see it I, i'm kind of with you palma yeah i do think that they're there has to be some gelling that occurs on this offense. It's going to be interesting to see how long that takes. So, Brian, uh, when it comes to Kendall Bryles, and obviously Sonny's a, an, an offensive guy himself, so it's yeah. always an interesting dynamic when you have the head coach and how they work with the coordinator who's, you know, of their expertise. Uh, it obviously worked really well with Garrett Riley, who's now, uh, you know, uh, seen his, his stock rise, and, and he moved on to, to Clemson. But uh, with Kendall – and there's tons of familiarity that he has on that staff. He's back in Texas, and he didn't necessarily have everything that he would probably have liked to have had at Arkansas. How have you seen him kind of come in and acclimate himself, and what's that sort of relationship like as far as the offense goes with he and Sonny and, and what you kind of expect that will differ from you know what we saw a lot a year ago? Because obviously the personnel being different, Chandler versus was Max Duggan's going to create differences as well. Yeah, and I think, by the way, just a side note, I think Max would have loved this offense. Oh, yeah. uh, I think he would have loved oh, yeah. Kendall's offense. I think he would have excelled in it because you do have, you know, that that uh, that element of the run game with the quarterback that's so important to Kendall. You know, I, I um, since it's just the three of us talking, I'll, I'll be candid with you, folks. Yeah. When, 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 when Kendall took the job, obviously I was like, ah, I wonder, you know, I mean, I, w- I wasn't in the – uh, I hate every, everything Bryles camp. I never had, I never was that, but I was, I was, I was like, Oh, how's this going to work? What's this dynamic going to be like? You know, how will fans react? How will players react? How does this all? And the more I was around him, 
the more I got what Sonny was saying, and that was, hey, you got to give him a chance. You got to give him a chance. You got to give him a chance. He said, I, and, and, and I think that the, the cool thing about uh, Sonny Dykes is he, he had built up equity, obviously, in last year's season. Um, and, and with that equity, he said, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. And, and, and I know, I've known Kendall Brown since he was a kid. I know what he's all about. I know, I know what, uh, you know, he brings to the table. So here I'm cashing in my equity. I'm bringing in Kendall Browns. Cause that's what I think is the best coach for what we need a quarterback coach and coordinator who can come in with the personnel that we have. And I really respected how he kind of stood his ground on that, you know, uh, and not that he, there was ever any question about whether or not it was going to happen, but you, you guys saw how, uh, goofy fans reacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they, they were up in arms at first. Well, now that you've gotten to know him and now that you watch the spring and now that you see how these players react to him and now that you meet his family and now that, you, you know, all of a sudden you go, well, okay, I, I, I get this. I see what Sonny Dykes was doing, you know, and as he said, when he first took the TCU job, players had to realize that there was a method to the madness. You know, I think that's got to be the same here with TCU fans with Kendall Browns. You got to realize that there's a there's a method to the madness of bringing him in. Now, what 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 is interesting, and I love kind of not poking the bear, but I do like asking the question periodically. Uh, and you bring up a good point: is Kendall's offense is different than Sonny's offense? I mean, Sonny's an air raid guy. Kendall's got, I mean, there's a little bit of air raid tendency in it, but it's not the air raid, pure and simple. Right. So uh, that has been interesting. But, you know, Sonny really loves his short passing game. Uh, and he talked about that. And he said that's one of the things that the air raid lacks. Uh, and so maybe if you combine the best of the two, that's what you're kind of hoping for, right? Uh, you know, that's that's what happened when they formed Reese's Buttercups. So if you can get <laughs> the best of the two and put them all in one, then we, we might have a hit here. I, I've never heard a player that I know that, that Kendall coached on offense complain about the system. They all loved they all loved it. Now I've heard defensive players complain about <laughs> practicing yeah, it it. To, oh, yeah. to no end uh, yeah. on how hard that was. But yeah, that is something that's and, and it is of the places that Kendall's been since he left here, this to me is by far the best fit for him uh, because of what they're trying to do because it always felt to me the other stops. It was, well, let's see if we can do this here as opposed yeah. to Sonny knows exactly what he wants to do and he knows exactly who he wants to do it as opposed to what I think FAU, FSU, and Arkansas were doing is we're going to try to do this here. Let's go get a guy we think can do it. And like Kendall can, but it wasn't ever here's, you know, we're going to, especially, I'll tell you, at FSU, they just did not let the reins off, which made right. no sense to me. Uh, but they they weren't ever completely invested in it. It was like one of those things where it's like, well, let's see what happens. And yeah. that's not the case in, in Fort Worth. Yeah, I, and I think one of the things that's really cool is, and I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was you or Craig who brought it up, is, you know, did he have all, his, did he have all the weapons that he needed? Did he have all the tools that he needed? Um, he's got that here. I mean, Sonny has turned over the reins to him. You look at the staff, it's, uh, it, you know, it's it's guys that he knows that he's been associated with. Uh, you, you look at the uh, the quality control guys or whatever we call them this week in college football, uh, you know, uh, analysts. Um, you know, I, I never had a cool title like any of that stuff, you know, and like 24 with these running around with these great titles. Anyway, uh, they're all uh, they're all his guys. 
I mean, this is what he wants to do, you know, and, 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 and let's face it. I mean, you got to kind of also look at Chandler Morris as a guy grew up watching this system, you know, grew up playing in this system to a degree there. I mean, so it's kind of, it, it, it could be the, the perfect storm for this offense right now. So I remember watching, uh, college football kickoff last year and TCU and Colorado were playing and it wasn't an awfully memorable game it wasn't even that great of a game really at times and we know what happened with Colorado and, and TCU they went very separate ways uh, but they're going to rematch uh, or you know play the other side of that uh, that agreement and it's got a wildly different look this time because of who's going to be roaming the Buffalo sidelines uh, it's everything Dion is, you know, magnified and, and bigger and, and all of that. But uh, how much sizzle does that put on their opener playing Colorado to have, you know, you not only have the backdrop of like the realignment stuff, you know, give or take that, but the, the Dion factor, how much more uh, electricity do you think that brings to that opener? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, you had TV networks fighting over it. You have, you know, I, uh, can we break news here that I think, and I, I didn't hear this from TCU, but I, you know, I, I know that it's in the discussion for game day. Uh, you know, so I mean, you, you you got that going on. You know, big. Uh, what are they? What, what's the Fox show? Big whatever uh, Saturday. Big new big kickoff. Noon. Yeah, I mean, they were. You know, those guys were all kind of fighting over it. Mm. Uh, they wanted to. They wanted that game, and so yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. <laughs> I mean, you guys know that, and and I and I have no idea. What we are in for on that day is as far as, you know, participants watching, I have no idea what Colorado's in for that se- this season with, with prime. I mean, it's either going to be amazing or a train wreck. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's anywhere in between. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and I think we won't, I think we find out a, a, a kickoff. And so it's got to be the hardest team in America to scout for, though, isn't it? I mean, with all the new faces. Yeah, and, that's, yeah, well, absolutely. It, I mean, <laughs> 35 new guys since spring. So you can't even use the spring film to oh. learn anything about them. I called, uh, I called Mark Johnson, who's the terrific play-by-play guy there. And I said, hey, Mark, I'm trying to get a head start on you guys. And he said, well, you're ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I got no idea. Because uh, I said, "Hey, see, can you help me at all on the two deep?" No, I have no, I, I have no idea. I don't even know numbers. You know, I mean, and that's just, you know, I think that's what we're going to battle here. And but, I, but I do think it, uh, it it also creates a sense of anticipation, uh, and, and it, but it also creates a sense of urgency that I think that uh, you know, coming off the year that you had last year at TCU. Um, and, and I, I think this might be really good for them to have a sense of urgency. I think it's better they roll out against the Colorado with prime than it is if you rolled out, you know, against, you know, uh, pick a, you know, Tarleton. They, they played Tarleton last year. Uh, I, I think, I, I just think it's better. You, you get what I'm saying? I mean, that makes, I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Think that I think comes with that that I think will be good for him. Well, I, I mean, like you know, prime versus the the national runner up is a way better game, right? You know, yeah, like yeah. That, that. I mean, you. I mean, I don't need to know the fifty one new guys. I don't need to know that. I need to know Dion. I need to know Sonny Dykes. You know, trying to make it. You know, trying to do it again. Like that's that's all I need to see for me to be excited about it. By the way, Dion uh, back with Nike today, officially, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, yes. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Colorado Nike school. All of a sudden, Dion Nike again. Uh, 
Imagine, yeah. imagine how that works. Uh, well, and, and, and by the way, let's don't let's don't demean what could have been the matchup TCU and Tarleton. I mean, it is Todd Witten's last year at Tarleton. We know that, so that could. have But you're right. Maybe with Prime, it is a little bit of a higher stature. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, Brian. Yeah. Um, we talked about Chandler. You talked about Chandler Morris throughout. He had, I mean, such a weird thing where an injury that he came back from but wasn't the starter again, but never kind of wavered in that. You know, uh, many guys would have just been in a transfer portal out of spite, right, because they they lost the job. And no matter what the success, we're like, well, I guess there's no future for me here because of that. Uh, what about Chandler Morris enabled him to stick through with Sonny Dykes and not do what many guys would do and be like, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm going somewhere else next year. I, I think it has a lot to do with his mom and daddy. I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's how uh, he was raised. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute. He's already left one school. Yeah, but that was different. I mean, you know, they, they, that was, you know, you, you weren't really in the mix there too much. Uh, you know, you had coaching change, things of that nature. I, I think that um, I think this says a little bit about Chandler. I, I think also he realized, uh, you know, a couple of weeks into this thing, hey, I can learn a little bit from Max Duggan. Uh, yeah, and I'm not talking about how to throw the football. I'm just, you know, there is a, there is, and I know you guys get tired of hearing it, but there is a specialness about Max when it comes to leadership. Uh, and, and I, and I think that Chandler really kind of learned from him on that. He watched how he handled himself with players and with coaches, pardon me, and with fans and, and with, and, you know, on campus and was, cordial and gracious and, and, uh, you know, open and transparent. I, I think all those sorts of things really registered with, uh, with, with, uh, Chandler. And I, I think that's why I think that's played a big role in why he stuck around. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, there, there is something to be said about that. And so, you know, and, and not to mention the fact that, Hey, you got, you, you know, Last year was kind of uh, an odd thing in that you lose your start at the beginning of the year and you get a guy who kind of makes it through the rest of the year. But in college football anymore, especially these offenses are are uh, put together now, it's man, it's hard to make it through a whole season with one quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think he always knew that, hey, there, there may be a possibility that I'm right back in there. So let's th- stick to it here. Plus, I think the roster coming back helps. Uh, you know, I, I think he saw the talent that he's got coming back. And so I think that all adds up. Brian, we'll see you Wednesday, man. Promise? I promise. I promise. Right. Is uh, Craig covering the tab again? Yeah. Yeah, I got you guys. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. I got you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. See you, fellas. All right, see you. Brian Estridge, voice of TCU Athletics with us. Uh, we'll see him again. He'll be there at Big 12 Media Days. But that's it's interesting stuff to hear about TCU because, again, they, like, it's not a rebuild by any stretch of the imagination, but what we see when they roll out will be completely different when – than what we saw at the end of last year as far as personnel and offense for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he outlined like how there's not really as many changes, but, yeah, there's a lot of name guys that are gone uh, from Quentin Johnston to Travis Hodges to, you know, Darius Davis to Kendry Miller to Max Duggan to a lot of their O-line, Steve Avila. I mean, on and on and on. But uh, they do have, you know, some good defenders coming back. I don't think defense will be too much of an issue. Um, I just think the thing that you can't really – and I know that Kaz Kazadi actually trains for it, but it's just the mental side of it and the fact that they won so many close games last year. Like, I mean, dude, they could have had like four or five losses. I mean, really. They could have had four or five losses, and they ended up going unbeaten until the Big 12 championship game. And then we know 
the Georgia game, like, I wasn't even going to bring that up with Brian because it's like, what's the point? We all know what happened there, that murder on live television. Uh, but I just think that they're all in a perfect spot where they're at an institution in Texas that they all know really well, starting with Sonny on down, um, in a league they all know very well, in a time where you can get – uh, you know, really talented players at a moment's notice to fill holes that otherwise might take you a year or two to develop a guy to fit. And now you can get like a guy who's second string on Alabama's roster and to come in and just slide in as a starter for you. So I just think the way the current landscape is and that accumulation of guys and, and the setting, uh, I, I don't see like a big fall off for them this year or any other year, really. I think that they're going to be right there competing each year at the top of the Big 12. You know, I don't know how many teams year in and year out are going to be doing that, but it's it's going to be a fascinating league because, you know, I don't I don't think Baylor's going anywhere. I think they're they're certainly not going to let themselves slide. Like if if Dave Aranda were to get off the rails, I think they'll they'll make a move. They have to if they feel like that's what they need to do. Texas Tech's all in. Um, you know, the the new schools obviously they want to win very badly. Oklahoma State's not just some pushover like they've been as consistent more consistent than any other school in the entire league other than Oklahoma and think about this if it wasn't for Oklahoma how differently are we talking about Oklahoma State And I know that's a game you could be like well if Mac Brown didn't play Bob Stoops like he'd probably have four national top you know so I understand that you could do that what if with everybody but you really think about it like how much has Oklahoma State suffered from maybe having more glory because of that one damn game mm-hmm. every year in Bedlam where you just Basically, could never win that game. I think his mark was like his mark is like three and fifteen or something crazy like that. And we're talking losses where they were like leading the Big Twelve, or they could have gone to the playoff, or you know, or uh, you know, had a better postseason spot. So I think Oklahoma State's not going anywhere. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be a fascinating league. But I do think TCU is as well set up as as anybody right now to. Uh, do some damage and to, to remain near the top. And I do think they'll reload more than they'll rebuild. And I'm just fascinated to see what, you know, Kendall Browse back in the Big 12 and working alongside Sonny Dykes looks like uh, because, you know, we got to see kind of the early part of that. But And I know his dad's still helping him. I, I don't have any doubt about that. I, I think I saw a comment the other day from a TCU person who, like, he was in the offices at one point, and that could have been just, like, bringing – flowers or something I don't want to delve all into that but um when we did see Kendall his dad still very much was like the head coach and you know like was as much a part of the offense as anybody he's now been at three other schools like he's learned a lot he's worked with Lane Kiffin he's worked with you know a number of different players and coaches so being back in the Big 12 after all that time and what he's learned and now probably being in as much of a situation uh, as like, as close to a situation as the one he was in when he was last in the Big 12 as you could possibly have without having the entire cast together. But, I mean, there's Kos Kazadi, there's Carlton Buckles, there's, uh, um, gosh, there's a, I think there's one more coach maybe I'm missing out on. But, like, just the feel of it, the private school part of it, like everything's kind of similar. It's just the rival that you were playing. Now you're a part of it, and all these years removed, I'm, I'm wondering – you know, what that all looks like, and it's going to be fascinating to see. I'll, I'll give you another note. I mean, people don't maybe don't realize this about Ken O'Brien's and what TCU is, is getting here. Ken O'Brien's recruited Jordan Travis out of the transfer portal at FSU and got him there. He saw that when not a lot of other people did, and he also developed and recruited K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. So in those two of those three stops, I mean, FAU was only a year, like – there with Lane Kiffin, and that like they're kind of doing a different thing. But when he was at two big boy schools, FSU and Arkansas, he went and got 
game changer type quarterbacks. Uh, he hasn't had the, had to do that yet at TCU because they they already had Chandler Morris. But that's something I'm I'm curious to see as well at TCU um, when it comes to to that position and, and what he does there. When we come back, Josh Neighbors, the Neighborhood Watch over on our other one of our other channels, Crystal Ball College Football. He joins us. We'll talk all things upcoming Big 12, a little bit of realignment, and more. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro, Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talwa Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
six letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Josh Neighbors, now part of the 365 Sports family on the Crystal Ball College Football Channel, of which Garrett and Jack also have a podcast, the, the College Football Chaos Podcast. Yeah. Which is Wednesdays at noon. Uh, Josh's show is up by by 2 o'clock every day, if not before. And uh, I was on Josh's podcast last night, so I thought, what a great way. Let's cross-promote on either channel back-to-back days. Josh, thanks so much for, for hopping on uh, on short notice today, uh, especially Big 12 media poll out yesterday. Texas picked first. Are you buying the Longhorns as the eventual conference champion? Yeah, there's a combination of things here, and it's great to be on the channel. It's great to be with the network. I'm very happy to be here, so thank you guys so much. It's a combination of things, right? It's a strength of the league thing. It's also a – this team is just so talented, and they're going through what is a pretty natural winning progression. Winning is not linear. A lot of times in college football, theirs kind of looks like it might be, uh, right? Stacking talent, getting better on the line of scrimmage, 5-7, going to 8-5 last year. It, It kind of all makes sense. So I'm buying it. I'm buying the fact like quarterbacks get better as they get older. I think Will Howard's a great example of that last year. Max Duggan, a great example of that. Quinn Ewer's not quite that much experience, but I think it's reasonable to think that, you know, you'd have to play pretty poorly to screw up this array of talent that they have. I mean, it's they're so loaded at all of the skill positions. And they're also on, on defense, too, pretty deep. It was a good unit last year. They've got playmakers at all three levels. So I think it's pretty reasonable to think that this Texas team – uh, should be in Arlington. It's, it'd be a massive disappointment, in my opinion, if they did not make the Big 12 championship game. Josh, did you pick them as your Big 12 favorite in the uh, media poll? I did, yes. I had them one, Kansas State two, I think, which most folks had. Yeah. Uh, what about your, your – I don't want to go through our entire teams here, but I, I am curious about the QB1 spot. Were you a Quinn Ewers guy? Were you a Jalen Daniels guy? A, uh, a Will Howard? Uh, how, how did you view that? So – because I was talking to some folks about this, like, I'm not sure how you all do it. Some folks think it's a predictive thing. Right. I don't yeah. know if it's predictive or if it's a, you know, I, I still struggle with this. Is it the best quarterback going into the year? If you made me pick one quarterback that I had to have, I'd pick Jalen Daniels. Okay. I, I picked my offensive player of the year to be Quinn Ewers because that is a stupid amount of talent to have around you. And Jalen Daniels does not have that luxury. Now, he might put up some really ridiculous numbers. The thing is, like, if they win six games again, which I think is challenging, considering Kansas is still not that good, um, you know, relative to, you know, the rest of the league, I think. Uh, like, do you give a guy on a six-win team offensive player of the year or something like that? So if I, if I do Q- QB1 right now, 
Uh, J, you know, I think Jalen Daniels is kind of the best, but I, I went hybrid. So I did Will Howard, right? <laughs> I think they're going to win enough. And I think he's a good enough player to where like, it kind of satisfies both criteria. So I went with Will Howard as kind of the guy I like the most heading into this year. Also on a winning team. Josh, were you, was anybody snubbed in your opinion on that big 12 team? I mean, I, I didn't see any, any spot where I was like, Oh, you know, I, I, it shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be there. Um, yeah, no, I, I think pretty much like uh, across the board, it was, it, I was, I was fine with every selection. I don't get really that upset about the preseason polls and, and whatnot. I think maybe for the predictive of where people finish there, there's some, there's some stuff. I mean, Oklahoma third felt gratuitous. Um, I think that was Oklahoma being third, but oh, when it comes to the actual teams themselves, I, I nothing really caught my eye as, as too much uh, as slanderous, if you will. So there's a lot of schools of thought on Oklahoma and and where to slot them or what to expect from them. And I, I'm a, a fan, and I, I don't quite know what to expect. I see all the reasons to believe, starting with the schedule and just having a year under their belts, why they should be improved. Um, I also see the reasons to believe that there's some cracks in the foundation for the first time in two decades that are actually maybe dangerous. Um, where do you kind of fall on that line with Oklahoma and uh, entering the final year of the Big 12? So the one thing that they're trying to do is establish an identity. And and you heard about a lot of this when it came to like their approach and practice and whatnot, especially on defense, you heard a lot of, uh, about a lot of positive change in terms of like habits and whatnot, but that did not manifest itself on the field last year for them. Their defense after that Nebraska game was a complete nightmare, essentially the rest of the way of the season. Um, and you know, it looked like an Alex Grinch unit, uh, you know, still, even though he was, he was gone at that point in time. I mean, it's you like, it's hard to doubt Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel. Like, I don't think they're going to have bad back-to-back, you know, or, or I guess subpar, you know, kind of off and on back-to-back years. I just wonder like how much of an overhaul on defense is going to happen. They, they've still got a, a pretty high level of talent. I mean, you could argue they have the second most talented roster pound for pound in the entire league, but they did have their first losing season since I was an infant child. Uh, you know, like that, that is something that happened last year. And Brent Venables did not have any answers. Like Baylor came into that game knowing exactly, everybody knew what Baylor was going to do. They're going to run it right at, at, at Oklahoma. And they did, they did it pretty easily. And that's pretty alarming to me. You have a coach who hangs his hat on that and your team just looked pretty woefully unprepared and, and couldn't stop what was coming at them against what was, to be honest, a pretty average Baylor team. And Texas Tech let them have it, uh, you know, late in the year as well. I mean, it, it just wasn't, a, you know, the Texas game was a complete embarrassment. Like that team, for as loaded as they were, should have had some more answers than they did against Texas. And just losing the quarterback was was not a good enough reason to get drilled like that. And they did. So Brent Venables, for as good of a coordinator as he is, and I mean, he was, you could argue he's maybe the best coordinator in the last 10 years. Not, they did not have a whole lot of answers as a head coach. But I mean, he, you know, Dave Aranda didn't have many answers in, in his first year as well. So I don't know what to make of them. I really don't know what to make of them. But I do feel pretty confident in saying I, I don't think they're going to be in the Big 12 championship game this year. I, I, I don't feel strongly about that. Josh, can you sell me on West Virginia finishing above last place? I that's so funny. I was talking to a couple of West Virginia folks uh, either yesterday or, or, or yeah, it was yesterday. I mean, yeah, like they, they might not finish last, but man, they they might give up in the first month of the season. The schedule is brutal. It's absolutely brutal for them, and. 
I'm shocked they've recruited as well as they have, considering the fact that their coach, I don't know how he's selling kids on any vision when he's not, you know, he needs to win like eight, nine games, in my opinion, to, to, to retain his job. So um, I think, like, if you told me, okay, roster-wise, like, sure, they shouldn't be there. But if this thing falls off a cliff from the word go, then what is West Virginia playing for? You know, a lot of those guys will find themselves in the portal. And I mean, you know, I, I feel bad. Like there's a situation where CJ Donaldson might get ridden to the ground this year, which, you know, I, if they do that, I, they might lose him in the off season. Uh, you might want to go somewhere else and play, you know, if I find a different uh, opportunity and that, that could happen for other guys on the team. So the schedule for them in the end is not that bad, but if it goes sideways early, like what are we playing for? Uh, and I think that might crush their season and put them in last place. Yeah, man, that tra- transfer portal element of like now you're you're not even so much worried about. Oh, I mean, there's the job part of it, or hey, I might have to fire an assistant. But now you're like, I got to keep my roster together. They're all going to go to the portal, and you're right. Like CJ Donaldson would be a prime guy to go get a yep. bag somewhere from from somebody. Um, in terms of the newcomers, who do you like the most, and why? In so terms of this has- year, yeah. Yeah, I think UCF is kind of the one that we look at. I, I think I'll give that edge because of coaching. I'm a, I am a Gus Malzahn fan. Um, I don't think Auburn should have ever fired him. I know that some of the sweep stuff and the motion gets a little too cute and it kind of costs them sometimes, but he's a really good football coach. I mean, you think about the guys, like, you know, there's a short list of guys who've had success against coaches like Nick Saban, and he is one of them. Um, and so I, and also I, I think he like wants to be there. It's It's a pretty good kind of, riding off into the sunset job. You know, I'm sure the, you know, the wife loves it down there and it's a good spot. It's, it's pretty easy to recruit to. You were a successful SEC head coach. So getting guys who are considering SEC schools that might say, all right, well, coach, you know, Malzahn's offering more playing time. He also has had success with players like me before. I mean, I think it's a really good situation to be in. The one thing for them this year, they've got playmakers. I don't trust John Rice Plumley as a passer. Um, I think in situations, if you make him a pure passer, it's not going to go uh, incredibly well for you. So I, and that's my question is if he gets banged up at all, like that, that thing could head south in terms of like the, their passing game, but they do have playmakers. And I do think that is the one thing for them that, that helps them. But the issue for all these schools is this last year, like you'd follow up Tulane with ECU or Navy that does that, especially now that Kansas is good. That's not happening here anymore. I'll even give you Kansas, uh, Iowa state from last year. They were horrible on offense. Their defense was gangbusters all year. Yeah, we all talked about the stats. Like if they'd scored twenty points in the first ten games, they would have won seven or eight of them. You know, it's it's crazy how good their defense was, but how bad their offense was. That that's like an, that's one of the easier teams to play. West Virginia, as bad as they were, swept the Oklahoma schools last year, and they went five and seven. That is one of the easier teams to play. So. That is the challenge. Your navies, your you know bad ver- I guess you know whatever bad version of SMU would be. You know your bad you know ECU like those are decent schools, but those are six win teams in in, in a G five conference. So you exchange those for Oklahoma State and Kansas State and Kansas, right? And so like you know this, I mean guys, there's an argument that that, J- that Jalen Daniels could be the best player in the field and like. 11 of the 12 games he plays in this year. Oh yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's what you're now dealing with in this league. So I think that's the big challenge, but if you'd ask me, all right, athletically coaching wise, I think UCF is the answer, but full disclosure, I I'm doing the deep dives. I want to do my deep dives on those schools later on in the summer, just because I'm so familiar with the big 12 schools. I think the closer to the season, I really evaluate those new schools, the better kind of feel we'll have for it as if we head in. 
Josh, what's your look? I'll just ask you for our, we can clip this and put it on our Baylor channel. What's your take on Baylor this year? Up here. I'm, I'm buying, I'm buying the dip. Uh, so last year I was, I was a little bit, I was a little bit kind of uh, a tepid on Baylor. And the reason why is Blake Shapin. I, I didn't, you know, I hadn't seen enough to be like, all right, this can be great. I mean, the first half was, was awesome against Oklahoma state, but let's be honest, you know, the injury went down in the second half and he hadn't played that much. And so I think he's coming into the, 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 this skill group they have now is de- has to develop together. And I, I said this a bunch, like I would not be shocked if he's very good this year because he had a full year as a starter, had a lot of, a lot of trials and tribulations, injuries and whatnot. I think the one reason I'm concerned though, is that they were at their best last year when they minimized how important the quarterback position was right. They, that, that little stretch they had, I forgot who else they played in that middle stretch, but it was, in, it was kind of in that little moment where they were beating, they beat Oklahoma. It felt like their best uh, ball was, was running it. They still have that wide zone. It still kind of terrifies a lot of schools because it's just, I mean, it, it, they're so efficient with it. They have arguably the best running back in the league. I, I'm going to buy the dip on Baylor this year. I'm not, you know, I, I trust Dave Aranda to have the defense in some relatively uh, decent form as well. And I think it's also a tough team to beat uh, most of the time uh, when they're at home. I think when the fans, you know, when they're engaged and the team is is playing well, that is a difficult place to go in. So I'm, I, I would not be shocked if I saw Baylor in the big 12 championship game this year, but that, that is not one of the teams I'd be, I'd be shocked to see in the big 12 championship game, but just because they've got a coach who I think is just as, as good as anybody at evaluating what happened before and is very honest about it with himself and everybody else and then making those adjustments. All right, right now, gun to your head, which is a, a phrase I, I don't like, but I, I thought I would use it. But uh, Big 12 championship. Kansas State and, and Texas. That's I think that's – I mean, K-State is bringing back most of the group that did it last year, and and then Texas is just – it's it's their time. I mean, this is the best chance they're going to have a winning conference title in maybe like you go either way, the future or the past in a decade, uh, because I'm not sure the SEC is going to present that opportunity in, in the immediate uh, short term for them. So they've got, they've got the money in the bank briefcase to use a wrestling term. They got to cash that, that, that son of a gun in. This is the moment for them. They, they have to get there. And then Kansas state, um, I, I mean, it's just the balance. Like I feel pretty confident in Will Howard, which is a weird thing. Cause I was, I was ready to give up on him last year. I, I didn't think he was that good. Uh, you know, before he obviously he started playing well and, that group is together. The most important part of the team, the offensive line is there. They've got good skill weapons, their defense, you know, I know they lost some guys, but they still have retained pretty solid core of guys. I think it'd be a fool's errand to bet against Chris Kleiman. Now that he's kind of got that thing rolling. So it's hard to pick two teams that aren't, you know, that, that, that's aren't them uh, as kind of the, the matchup. All right, Josh, uh, let's pitch the neighborhood watch to our audience here. You've got them captive right now for the next couple minutes. What are they getting? When can they see it uh, on the, the crystal ball college football channel? Five days a week, five plus days a week, big 12 coverage. Uh, we interview great folks like Paul Catalina. He was on the show. Uh, we had also had Mark Ziegler on recently. Uh, Andrew Marshall will be on the show. Andy Staples will be coming on, you know, so you'll see different guests. Uh, you've, you've seen across the networks, talk gambling, we we'll use those lines, obviously, to look at the season. We have team previews going through for every single Big 12 school right now, and we hit the conference realignment stuff as well, and we hit it often. Uh, and the goal, I appreciate you, Paul, said it. the goal is to have it up by 2 p.m. every day. Uh, scheduling, as you know, it can, can be difficult sometimes to, to pin folks down, but, yeah, usually around 1.30, 2 o'clock every single day. Uh, we're coming out of the show over there on College Ball Crystal Ball. Uh, it's a great time, and uh, I appreciate you folks for giving me a new home, and I appreciate everybody who has uh, you know come back and 
the new folks as well. Also, if you miss me, hey, I'm here now. Uh, go to Crystal Ball College Football. That is where you guys can find me, and you can find the Neighborhood Watch. There you go, Josh Neighbors. Josh, glad to have you aboard. We'll see you on Wednesday. Pleasure, gentlemen. That's Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football. Go like and subscribe to that channel as well. It helps us out. Uh, and uh, Josh, uh, that was a really good segment, and we're, we're thrilled to have a board. Garrett, you've known Josh for, for a while, haven't you? I have. I've known Josh for about three years now. Yeah. Yeah. So, good guy. Good yeah. guy. Yeah, really good. Had a fun uh, doing a show uh, last night. Um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, it was a good time. And uh, Craig, I don't know if you've ever met him or, or know him, but now you do. So, uh, yeah, uh, now I do. I, I don't know if I have before or not. And I don't mean that like to be rude. I, I yeah. just, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I have or not. I don't remember. Um, cause it could have been just in passing. So, uh, I'm sure next time I see him, I, I will remember because, uh, you know, now he is uh, working with us and, and I'll make it a point, but, uh, yeah, he had some good stuff there and, uh, like you said, go hit up that channel when you get an opportunity to do so. Absolutely. All right, when we come back, we're going to dive into your Super Chats. Chris, I got gotcha, you, buddy. Uh, he's got two Super Chats for us that we will get into. This is 365 Sports. I received a text today from Ted Teague, General Manager President at Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco on Loop 340 Highway 6 and just east of 84. He sent me this text that I had to kind of double take, and I love it. To get a fast start and reward veterans, Alan Samuels, through close of business on July 10th, all retired military get an extra $2,000 on top of all the other cash incentives, including the specially incentivized interest rates, like the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo that has $3,500 plus 2.9% financing for 72 months. That's $3,500 plus 2.9% financing for 72 months. Add the $2,000 on top of that for all retired military, and that grows to $5,500 in cash values and 2.9% for 72 months for military veterans. Retired military, an extra $2,000 on top of all other cash incentives. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, Highway 6, and east of 84 in Waco. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchy Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchy Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchy Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchy Group at 1-800-258-8302. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. Welcome back in 365 Sports. All of us back together on Monday. Monday and Tuesday in studio. Wednesday and Thursday uh, from uh, just a dungeon called AT&T Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool spot. It's uh, obviously been a huge venue for a lot of different events. Uh, Super Bowl, WrestleMania, Final Four. Jonas Brothers. Sure. Um, (laughs) I'd go more George Strait or Taylor Taylor Swift. Swift, You know, um, people that that sell that building out in about 30 seconds. But, yeah, it's a cool spot. It is just a bit cavernous because you've got 100,000 seats surrounding a football field with a couple hundred people on it, and that's pretty much the setup. Uh, But it's a cool backdrop, and, you know, I wouldn't mind being on Pensacola Beach like they do in the SEC for spring meetings or, I guess, down in Hoover for for media days. I I don't know. They're in Nashville this year. Yes, now it's Nashville, right? Now it's like that's the thing is like you got Nashville, so there's a whole scene there. Pac 12 in Vegas. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, Arlington's cool. Like, I don't know what Arlington would be like, and um, I'm not, I'm not a partier by any stretch uh, at this point. But you know, in my younger years, it would have been nice to have Texas Live there. But without yeah. Texas Live, um, I don't. Yeah, that would have been miserable. So at least you have Texas Live that's around now to give you a little something to do that's close by. But outside of that, yeah, it's of course we're there, parking lot city. Uh, yeah, and we are there during the All Star break. Right, yeah, so. they can't go to a Rangers game because they're not even there. Like, I think that kind of sucks, dude. Like, at least have the baseball. Like, make that the media thing. Like, media party, you go out to the Rangers game. Mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, that would be the way to do it. But, um, you know, it's it's the Cowboys Stadium, and it's hard to beat that, and it's a central location for most teams uh, when you're a Texas-heavy conference. You know, so that, that all makes sense. But, yeah, somewhere on a beach would have been kind of nice when – 
Texas is dealing with triple digits every my, single day. Yeah. My favorite uh, thing about going to AT&T Stadium early, and they may not do this for Big 12 media days, but if you're there on a game day, when they're like, they're bef- when you're the media, you get in early. So, like, when I would go to Cowboys games, like, while they're testing out, like, you know, you'll hear, like, this is the referee mic check and all that right. stuff. It's pretty mundane. But on the gigantic Jerrytron there that wraps around the whole, you know, there's, you know, four sides of it, they just show this this highlight video of every big, like, concert or event that's ever been there and it is it is wild to jump from like oh look there's Shakira and then you're like oh here's George Strait and then there's a basketball game and a football game and Wrestlemania and monster trucks and well I mean everything better look at it when you walk in the uh in the tunnel area like where you'd go to the, the locker rooms and there's a little room specifically on one end zone uh, where they keep all the banners and stuff from their various events. So you see the WrestleMania banner from when that was hanging. You see, you know, the Super Bowl banner from when that was hanging, all the Final Four stuff, and et cetera. And it's just like a little room, which is all these things hanging. It's pretty cool to see. And it's just probably a one one hundredth of the events they've actually had yeah. there when you start counting boxing. And, I mean, every, they've had everything there. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a cool venue. It's still one of the best in the entire world. But if they were to shake things up a little bit with the new Big 12, I'd be totally okay with that and uh, would be all send, for it. Send us down to Orlando. Yeah, like that. I think that would be great. Um, you know, I understand that that would be a bit more travel for pretty much Park, everybody Park other than cities. UCF. But Let's go to Park Cities in the summer. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I, like I said, like there, there's some options out there now. And so that, that would be cool. Maybe that's in the works for in the future, but hard not to look at folks in Nashville or Las Vegas and go like, that'd be cool. All right, look, if we're going to do Big 12 Mexico, then, I mean, Cabo? Like, let's... <laughs> Not Tijuana. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't think you want a bunch of media guys running around Tijuana. Necessarily. That, but yeah, Cabo would be that cool. That would have been the Dan Beebe Big right, 12 yeah. Mexico. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah Cabo would be cool. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know where Cancun stands. Like, is that more of like for the younger kids still, I, or is that? I don't, I don't, even, I don't know. I don't even know. Hey, I don't know. I don't. I don't go to Mexico very often. Spring Breakers. Where do you go? <laughs> Cabo or or Cancun? Port of Ireland. He's like, I'm not a part of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. So but I don't no, know. Levi rolls deep. He just went to the Amalfi Coast. Uh, so. I just hear. Yeah, that's true. He's like, <laughs> Mexico <laughs> peasant. Um, no. Yeah. I I think that. Uh, that there's there's opportunity to do everything a little bit differently uh, with you know Brett Yormark's tenure going on now, um, everything should be looked at and hey if it turns out that AT and is still the best spot that's cool it's a good venue I'm not I'm not trying to dog it I just I'm so used to it at this point we've we've been there we've done that and done it back over a hundred times and yeah. so it's lost its appeal as far as. Like, wow, look at the – I've seen it. I've seen it a hundred times. I can give people directions in it. Yeah, like, like that's what I mean. It's like, walking here, let around, me show like, you around. Do you work here? No, I don't. I've just been here a billion times. No, I, like, and, and not just like, oh, I think it's over there and I'm confident I'm right. I'll be like, no, no, no. Go this elevator. This is where you're going to be. Like, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Talk to Hank. He'll take you up. You Like, that kind of – that's how much we've been there. But uh, you also, too, like, I understand you don't want to – if you like, you, you've lost – Okay, you didn't have a stranglehold to begin with on Texas once Texas A&M left. Uh, you certainly aren't going to have it post-Texas. Um, you're trying to hold on to Texas as best you can, but you're definitely getting a, a good chunk of the pie cut off. But you do have you know, a handful of schools that are all still representing the state, so you don't want to abandon you know, Arlington, for example, and you know, shun it and yeah, you know you got to be smart about that. So I understand that too. And it's, it's one of the world's greatest stadiums still to this day, so... 
you know, I just, I'm just selfish in, in my desires for maybe a little change up in the future, but it'll be fun. And there'll be a lot of good stuff to talk to maybe, and uh, or talk about and, and a lot of good people to talk to. So I'm looking forward to it. Maybe it'll just be a year where Jerry has to do renovations and, you know, we end up back at the star a polish and we go, yeah, yeah, we go somewhere else. The but, star was fine. Yeah. It was cool. Like the first time, I think the second time I was a little like, there's not really anything around here. And at this well, point, now, I think it's a lot different. Yeah. Now there yeah, is. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, it was kind of just a, like they're the Cowboys have a campus basically now. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was the campus and then there was all the area around that, that was like getting developed to be developed. And the Cowboys facility was just kind of there by itself. But yeah, I'm sure now with the hotels it's, and everything else, it's crazy. I haven't been there in a while. It's it's ridiculous. I remember when I would go up there and cover the Cowboys, and that's again. not next to AT and T no. Stadium. That's in Frisco versus Arlington, it's an hour where, away. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah. So I would go up there to do to cover the Cowboys, and when it was first being built, you know, you go up there in the morning, you get to watch practice for a while, and then you have like an hour and a half where you go and eat lunch, and. You know, if, like sometimes I'd go like Machota and Hellman, we'd go to lunch or something. But sometimes you're there and none of those guys are there yet. They're coming. They they don't need to see whatever you're going to see or they're not there. And so I'd be there and be like, oh, well, I guess I'm, I'm just going to go grab lunch. And there wasn't anybody really to go. And then a year and a half later, I'd go back to the same exact thing. And it's like, oh, there's 50 places I can go. Right, and yeah. I don't have to get in my car now. I can just walk across the street. There's, there's all these places. All right, let's get to these three super chats. And then we're going to replay Phil Bennett uh, from the other day because he was so good uh, and is always great. Uh, but we want to replay Phil Bennett here in the last hour. Uh, Kim Coulter, thanks for uh, sticking up for us with a, a guy who was calling us clowns uh, earlier on the chat. Uh, appreciate it. But, you know, um, thank you for the 490 Super Chat. I uh, really appreciate you, Kim, and everything that you do. Uh, Chris has sent us two Super Chats. Um, Guys, Antonio Brown destroyed an Arena League team in less than four months, and the WNBA has never generated positive cash flow in their 27 seasons, yet clamor for pay increases. Is the world nuts? Uh, well, yes, the world is nuts. The world's always been nuts. It just goes through phases where it's a little less nuts than it was the, year bef- the years before it and the years after it. So we are in one of those phases where I don't think it's ever going to be less nuts than, than anything. If we can get to a less nuts phase, that'll be great. Um, for Antonio Brown, he's just he's just a psycho, and everything he touches turns to crap. For the WNBA, I mean, there's a really simple explanation for them making money. It's getting women to go to the games, and they've not been able to do that in 27 years. They've not gotten women to watch the games on TV. Women don't go to the games. Um, you know, I know that men can go too, but, like, let's face it, empty seats don't have a gender. They can be whoever you want, and if women were going to the WNBA games, they'd be making money. But they're not. And they're not watching them, and that's the problem. And that's really who the WNBA needs to be complaining to, in my opinion. I'm not like no one. No one can can paint me as uh, a misogynist or anything like that in my life. Believe me, you can't. But just bottom line facts. That's what it is. I would love to see the WNBA do well. I would love to see every sports league do well. Uh, but. They've had a problem, and then they've not been able to reach in 27 years. They've not been able to to hit and make money off their target audience. Bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no interest in the Antonio Brown saga. I don't even know what he's done here of late. I, I think I did see something about the the team that he was 
was he running the team or part of the team? What exactly yeah. was it? He was I, like a player coach type okay, thing. Okay, yeah, and he's out now. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's just a train wreck. Um, you know, I, I don't really get entertained by his antics at this point or follow them, so I don't really have uh, much knowledge of, of that situation. The WNBA thing, I mean, that's kind of – that's a story I probably talked about in the same frame, uh, you know, as far as the – the kind of picture you painted there. I've been talking about that for years. Um, you know, it's, it, that is what it is. Um, you know, like Paul said quite a bit there and outside of that, you know, good luck to him, but it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. I mean, there, you know, I'm sure there are ways to grow it and all that, but, uh, as far as the argument of, you know, pay and all that, I, I have no interest in, in talking about that or, or really any strong opinions on that. No. Uh, yeah, I don't like Antonio Brown's uh, just a weird dude. And, um, you know, but the WNBA is a thing. Look, and they're starting there, you know, some players that are trying to start a league that plays in the off season of the WNBA. But I don't know how that's like, you know, that's kind of the Michael Scott. I'm going to start another paper company and another paper company, and another paper company. Well, <laughs> yeah. the subsidized league from the NBA is not making money. You know, you need you need to focus on. How are you? How can you get that money from your target audience? Which part of the problem I do think is they've been targeting the wrong audience for a long time. Uh, I think they they haven't done they pro- they clearly haven't done a good enough job of of, of getting women over into, into watching it. Uh, so you know, um, targeting a male audience is just not going to work. It's just not going to for whatever reasons you want to paint that, but that's who you need to, to target. And Chris also said in a $5 Super Chat, guys, do you see the stadium elevation in addition to the cold weather late in the season as the best home field advantage in the new Big 12? And I assume he is talking about BYU. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very well could be. I mean, uh, I know Baylor had an interesting experience there last year just in terms of the crowd noise and the turnout and the excitement level and just the – the road atmosphere, so I think that that'll be a nice, uh, you know, challenge for everybody who's going there, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, and uh, that should, especially at night, late in the season, make for some interesting games. And I want to say I was just looking at their schedule the other day, and I forget who they have late in the uh, the year, uh, but there will be a couple of those games, yeah, where that could potentially come into play. They host Oklahoma, like I mean, that could be a cold game and at night, and uh, it could be a lot of fun. They host Iowa State. And really, that's about it for the second half. They're on the road quite a bit. They're at Austin, uh, at Morgantown, at Stillwater in three of their last five. But hosting BYU and Oklahoma State there in mid-November, that could get interesting. And, yeah, I think that'll be a really cool atmosphere and could be, you know, a challenge because I definitely saw that with Baylor. That that crowd had an impact on the game and, and the outcome eventually. So, absolutely. Well, Baylor – Baylor lost it. I mean, Baylor's not done, and I'm just talking about them specifically, but they've not done well in cold weather games over their history. Right. I- Iowa State a couple years ago on the road was about 20 degrees. They didn't do well in that game. Uh, they're not normally very good in Ames. Um, you know, I don't know if they've ever played West Virginia when it's been like legit cold in West Virginia, but uh, maybe I don't need to go very far down the road to tell you the the tragedy that was the bowl game this year in you know, five degree temperatures that Air Force dominated them in. You know, um, I mean, I don't think the cold was completely to blame for that, but it was a very large factor. Um, so, yeah, I think that especially the teams in Texas that, you know, might get one cold weather game a year at their place, at their own house. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when you have to go there late in the year and could get some snow flurries or, or 
a, a straight up snow drift um, in Utah uh, in November. When we come back, Phil Bennett, one of the best that we have on this show. Uh, we had him on a Wednesday. Want to re-rack that again. We don't do that too often, but it's the summertime uh, and a lot of people are on vacation. But Phil joined us on Wednesday. That's coming up next. It's 365 Sports. Looking for power, performance, adventure, or luxury? We've got it all at Allen Samuels in Waco. Shop the greatest selection of brand new inventory and find the vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals during the Make This the Summer sales event on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler sedans, minivans, or a sporty Dodge. At Allen Samuels, we're committed to taking care of our customers, and that means having as much new inventory on hand for you to choose from. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones Investments and financial advisor Chuck Verno, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Uh, we aren't the same if we don't have longtime college football head coach and assistant coach Phil Bennett, former Texas A&M football player as well with us on the show. It's been too long, and we hope the news is, is that throughout the football season, Coach Bennett will join us for Truth Serum on Mondays or whenever day he picks after a college football weekend. Well, how's retirement? Well, you know, I've, uh, I've been, believe it or not, I've been busy. And uh, so that's good. I find things to do. Uh, uh, you know, my brother Jerry mm-hmm. has, uh, has had some health issues. And uh, I've been down there. My, uh, I don't know if you know this, Smoke, uh, but my daughter and my son-in-law have moved to, to actually Waco. He's coaching at Waco Midway yep. with Coach Anderson. I did know that. So, uh, so I've been back and forth there. Where I just had a brand new grandson. Uh, he's in uh, Scott and White right now, just getting a little bit more treatment. But uh, so I've been active and uh, and I've enjoyed it. All right. So in August, when everyone starts to blow their whistles, how much will you get the EBGBs? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about when we texted earlier today. It's it's the dog days of summer, and this is where I used to do all my. What, 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 you know, pre-planning, what I had to do to be creative and to get the depth chart. So it, it's already started a little bit, you know, but, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's different when you're almost 70 years old. Uh, I'm not as smart as I thought I was, <laughs> and, and I don't have the energy I used to have. So, uh, but I can still talk about it. Coach, we had Bruce Feldman on last week, and he wrote a column about, uh, defensive coordinators who coach on teams that run the air raid, the wide open offense, and you were at the forefront of that. Um, I was I was kind of surprised he didn't call you in that uh, you guys were almost kind of like the guys who were working on penicillin before they figured it out uh, <laughs> because it had to be for you growing up in all these different eras of college football pretty um, – jarring to have to rethink everything you ever knew about how to coach and have a team ready so quickly to go back out of the field. You, you know, Paul, what's funny about that, I started in the wishbone with Emory Ballard. And, and, you know, boy, that was a defensive coach's dream. You played about 45, 50 plays a game. And then ended my career, you know, basically, at, at Baylor, where we played, I think, during my six years there, I think we, we played 16 possessions a game, which, which is, you know, sometimes more than twice than other people. But, uh, you know, it was a different, it was a different philosophy. But once we got it down, and, and I think I, we've discussed this before, total yards became non-existent. And, and points became more uh, important by how many possessions. You know, it's how many stops you could get. You know, uh, Smoke and I used to talk about, you know, if you can get, when I was at Baylor, if we could get three stops in a row in the beginning of the game, very few times did we ever lose. Coach, how similar is what 
um, Sonny Dykes does and what he'll be doing with Kendall Bryles compared to what he was doing last year with, with Garrett Riley? I mean, there's a lot of the familiar faces we just kind of touched on and then stylistically. How similar is, is what they're going to try to do uh, compared to, to what you guys did back then or even what we saw from them a year ago? Yeah, you know, I think they'll be somewhat similar. You know, one of the things, Kendall, Kendall was a little bit, um, he was, he had to be different. And I thought he did a really good job at Arkansas of being creative with the players that he had. I know Art and I talked one time, and Art told him, he said, hey, you know, you can't be, and that's one of the things I always loved about Art. He said, you've got to be able to manage and, and do the things your players can do. And I thought Kendall really did that at Arkansas with his quarterback. You know, he never had a great running back. Uh, their offensive line wasn't great. Uh, so he slowed the game, the quarterback run game. He did some things. I think at TCU, he might have uh, a more explosive group of guys that he will get back to what he wants to do. And that's what, you know, Art and those guys did, spreading the field, tempo, and, and making the defense try to react to them. I got to ask you this, Phil, because talking about Kendall and also Lebby's at Oklahoma, and we know, you know, coaches are all throughout America since uh, the breakup of the coaching staff in after 2016. When you see everybody back landing on their feet, you, of course, uh, Arizona State and then at SMU, excuse me, at North Texas, what what do you think? You know, I, I, I think, I think there was a, a lot of unnecessary uh, hard times. You know, uh, Randy Clements and, and Jeff Levy went to an NAI school, rode buses for 17 hours just to stay in coaching. And, and, and that pisses me off, quite honestly, because they never did anything but represent uh, what they did at Baylor the, at, at top notch. Uh, you know, Kendall had to go to FAU. And, you know, I, I don't like what transpired and what they had to go through, but I admire where they're at now. I, I think, you know, Smoke, we always talk about, you know, the cream rises. I think they all have worked their way back through the stigma of the situation uh, to where they're well-respected. And obviously, you know, Jeff, did an unbelievable job uh, at, at OU and uh, UCF, everywhere he's been, Ole Miss, and then Clem is at, at North Carolina. So uh, I, I admire what they've done and, and how they've done it. They haven't cried. They just worked their way back up there. What is Auburn getting in Philip Montgomery? Oh, it's getting a great football coach. You know, uh, Philip uh, was on the forefront of what we were doing. Uh, and, and was a you know just a major role player when when I first got to Baylor and and the four years that I spent with Philip he did a wonderful job you know he's he's creative uh, he has art uh, vision and and what he does uh, and, and you know quite honestly he, at, at Tulsa he still they could move the ball but it became such a hard job in other areas. That, that he was still a guy that, that, you know, his quarterback will throw forever. I think he will be a great asset for Auburn. Phil Bennett, longtime football coach with us on 365 Sports. 
So, you know, Paul just mentioned Montgomery. Uh, all right, so I know that the Big 12 now has the four incoming schools. That became official at midnight on Friday. Which of those four, just based on maybe just looking at them, UCF, who you face in a bowl game, uh, different team, uh, Cincinnati, who made a run two years ago, Houston with Dana, and then Brigham Young, who's basically been a, a Power 5 conference team for a long, long time. Which one of them are do you feel like is more suited immediately for the Big 12? You know, I would have to say, and you mentioned it, will probably uh, BYU, because they have they've played that type of schedule being an independent. Uh, you know, they've played in the big games. I mean, I can remember... You know, when we were, I mean, they were, you know, they were playing everybody who was anybody. Uh, but at the same time, I think Gus at, at UCF has got the commitment level. Uh, I think with, with Tillman Fertitta's backing at U of H and their new stadium, they're building a new football ops thing. Uh, and I can remember during my early years of playing, I mean, when Houston, you could remember this. When they came in the conference, hell, they won it the first year they were in it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, so I would never – now, I, I think – and I've thought about this because I've tried to discuss some things, but I think Cincinnati uh, with a new coaching staff, it's going to be a little bit of a drop-off uh, of where they've been with Fickle because he had done such a good job and, and got it into that situation. Uh, but, but I think they're all good programs. And I think they'll fit, fit the league good. What do you think about uh, your alma mater and Jimbo Fisher bringing in Bobby Petrino to run the offense and uh, some of the changes that they've made to, to bounce back from an abysmal 5-7 and seven season? Well, you know, I think this. I thought last year, and we all know this, and I'm not an excuse maker, but, you know, I, I just felt like that, that there wasn't a chemistry there for whatever reason. Uh, I, 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 you know, they, they led the country in delayed of game. Uh, it was obvious that, that the game has involved a little bit. I think Jimbo's a good coach, but, but I think offensively he needed someone, you know, uh, he's got to take care uh, of, of the overall program. And, and they had too many things happen last year that, that just showed that, that, that he wasn't able to, he wasn't at that point management. I think Bobby can come in and help him a lot and give him time to work with other things, even to the point help uh, DJ. Oh, uh, hey, this is what I want on defense. You know, they struggled last year with their 3-3 front, trying to stop the run um, against Appalachian and against uh, uh, Ole Miss. They got where they couldn't stop. So I think uh, I think having a guy, and I'm a Bobby Petrino fan. I think he's a – I've played against him. I think he's an excellent coach. Uh, I think if the chemistry's there, which, which, you know, I saw him in town one time and I had a short visit with him and he seems to think that it is, uh, I think that they can be vastly improved. Also, I think the schedule in the, in the SEC is, is for them is going to be better than it's been in a long time. You know, uh, I've said this for many years, SEC is a great conference, probably the best, but they're, they're not a true top-to-bottom conference. You know, if you look uh, last year, Texas Tech, you know, dominated Ole Miss in the bowl game. and But the upper-level guys, you know, the Georgia, nobody's been able to touch them. And, and I don't know how many 
you know, can y'all tell me right now who you think the the top four uh, SC teams are going to be? You know, obviously, you know, Alabama's going to break in a new quarterback. Georgia's going to break in a new quarterback. Tennessee is going to have the guy. So uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see. And I think A&M maybe can get to their first uh, their game against Alabama. They might be undefeated and, and, and might have a chance to get hot. Yeah, I think definitely LSU will be in there as well. But your, your point's taken there. I mean, there are some question marks for sure, and it is very top. I mean, they've, they've not just got the top. They've got, like, the elite of the elite with a couple of those in, in Georgia and Alabama for sure. And, and sticking on A&M for a second, just as putting your, your fan cap on, and I know it's a year away, but what are your thoughts on the renewal of Texas and Texas A&M here in, uh, in just a year's time? You, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I was at a function Saturday night. Uh, you know, I coached that win, and we're very close. And they, uh, y'all might have seen it, but they did a doc- documentary on it. Miniature, and and uh, anyway, he, uh, we were talking, and 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 something was said to me. I never thought about this, but you know, they've not played since 2011, and and the younger kids really have never valued the younger fans that that game. Having coached in it, played in it, uh, I'm telling you, it is it has hurt me to the bone that that A and M at Texas has have not played because it is one. I, and I've been in some great rivalries, great rivalries. Uh, it is one. It, I mean, to be involved in it as a player and a coach, um, I mean, it's just electrifying. And I am tickled to death that that you know that it's going to happen. And I'm still hopeful that it's going to be in Thanksgiving. I mean, every one of us that have grown up in Texas, you know, always look forward to Thanksgiving for that reason. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm disappointed it's going to be in the SEC, but that's just the way it is now. You know, that week, that week, that Thanksgiving, you had Auburn, Alabama, Nebraska, OU, A&M, and Texas. And I know there were other games, too, like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl, whatever. But those, but the those were the dogs, right? Those were the yeah, alphas yeah. in college football. So, uh, speaking of Texas, they're about to move into the SEC. It appears as if Sarkeesian has turned the corner. Maybe they're now, they have grit, they have uh, a better culture, they have... Uh, a little edge to them. Do you see that, or is that just fool's gold again? You know, I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it, it's, to me, it, you, you've got to prove it. You know, I, I, I'm not uh, – I think I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think Gary Patterson helped him immensely on defense. I know he did. Uh, they got better. They got sounder there. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Quinn is a good quarterback. A great one, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, losing B. John Robinson, I mean, is, is going to be huge. And, and then I, I haven't seen them. I, I thought last year against Texas, maybe if Ewan hadn't got hurt, I mean, uh, excuse me, against Alabama, uh, they, they could have won that game and maybe should have won it. But uh, week in and week out, I've also saw them against Texas Tech, and, the, and they were, you know, they just weren't good enough to beat Tech. At Lubbock, and and so the consistency and 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 all the different things coming together. I know you can say they've got better players, but I, I'm going to have to see it. Phil Bennett with us, 365 Sports, 
former Baylor defensive coordinator with us with Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, and David Smoke. Do you have a favorite A&M in Texas game that you were coaching in or playing in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, uh, Coach Roll's last game as a, as a coach in 1976, uh, it was uh, – it was a Thanksgiving night in Austin, and we, we we Earl was was banged up a little bit. He still played, but uh, we beat Texas. I think it was twenty seven to six, and it, it was uh, at that point of the year we had lost a close game. We had lost two very close games. We ended up uh, ten and two, eleven and two, and uh, I thought at the end of the year we were the best team in the country at A and M. Best team. I'd ever been involved in the best team I was involved in uh, any fashion at A&M. And we'd, we won, won the game, dominated the game in Austin, and then went on to beat a very good Florida team in the Sun Bowl. You know, of course, you say, well, Sun Bowl. Back then, hell, there were only 10 and 11 bowls. So if you played in a bowl, you were a top-level you know, top team. But uh, And then Coach Roll ended up, I think he was 54, 55 years old, retiring after that. What will you miss the most about coaching? You, you know, I tell you, I've, I've said this before. Just the interaction with, with the players, the coaches, uh, everybody. I, I mean, I've I've always, you know, people don't realize how many people it takes to run a program. I mean, I, I told you this one time at Baylor, Mo. You know. I was good friends with the, the trainers, the managers, the equipment people. Uh, Mike Sims and I, I, I mean, Mike Sims one of the best I've ever been around. Everywhere I've been, it takes so many people to do it. And and, and to come together for one cause, you know, and, and it's, I try to prove that you can get this thing to a higher level, at, at a highest level, uh, that's, that's what I'll miss. And getting the kids to... You know, the, as the Tom Landry saying, hey, you know, great coaches or good coaches get players to do what they don't know how to do or sometimes don't want to do to get what they want to get. And, and, and I'll miss that because I think, uh, I think some, uh, you have a calling to get kids to play at a higher level and keep them excited. And, and, uh, and sometimes, you know, I tell people, they say, well, you act like you're mad. I said, not mad. It's just a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and I think this, too. Nowadays, everybody talks about you can't mistreat. Kids aren't soft. You know, if they're soft, it's because we let them be soft. Um, I, I still think kids want to win. I think they want to get pushed. Uh, and I think they want to be driven. And, and now, I didn't say uh, disrespected, and I don't want to – you don't want you want to be careful of crossing that line. But uh, I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed kids seeing kids get better, and um, and the camaraderie with the coaches. You know, I tell people this: I've had, if you look at my career, I've probably had a career uh, probably as good as anybody. I mean, I've been so fortunate; I've never had a bad job. And we were talking. I played golf with RC Folkum a couple of weeks a month ago, and we're talking. He said, "What would you pay? I said, "I don't know. I couldn't say that all of them were good." Every, every place I've been, uh, uh, I couldn't sit there and say I didn't like it there. Never. Now, some jobs really felt very fortunate that the people that I've been around, I've really enjoyed them, and I ever I thought that, that we were doing the right thing. 
you were at Arizona State for a short time, but you were there. So you experienced Pac-12 football. Not that you didn't play against other Pac-12 schools. You guys crushed UCLA in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego one time. You just beat them up. But being a part of that conference, can you try to describe, it's not that football is not important, but is it different? Because you see this consternation about what may happen if they don't come up with a pretty good media deal with their television contract and who might be interested in looking elsewhere, whether it's Colorado or Arizona. And you don't get that impression about Arizona State. What, what was that like? Yeah, you know, when I was there, you know, of course, Washington was, I mean, they were dominant. They played in the college playoff. Uh, you know, UCL, uh, USC had, had Darnold. I mean, they had, it was, it was unique, but you also see some things, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a big conference. You know, you're a lot of different states. It's, it's more states than you, you know, you're going to Oregon, you're going to Utah, you're going to Washington, uh, California, Arizona, Colorado. Uh, and I think because of the graphic, graphical area that, that you lose a little bit, it was good football when I was there. Uh, Colorado was was still okay. They Mike McIntyre had kept it going. Uh, there, there was some great venues. Stanford was good. It was before uh, they had dropped off a little bit. Uh, Utah was good. Uh, we were very fortunate going there and, and play. I played a couple of times. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, I just think, like everything else, I've kept up with that smoke, and, and I, it's so crucial. I think the league has been totally mismanaged. Um, uh, uh, having someone making decisions, the leadership of a conference is crucial. Just like the leadership you and I have talked of what you guys are doing, are doing at 365 now. I think the vision, the money they spent from, you know, I remember when I was there reading the story of uh, and talking to some of those Pac-12 guys. You know, they built that, uh, paying that rent that they were paying mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and they moved in there. And, and I think there was a lot of confidence loss. And, and then I think that, that now they, they're, you're looking around, they're saying, and USC saw it, and UCLA, and there's the unthinkable has happened. You know, their two LA teams are going to the Big Ten, which in our lifetime, who would ever believe that? I mean, honestly. That would have been an April Fool's joke. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it, things have changed dramatically. My last question, because you only experienced it. It's only been around for a couple of years, Phil. What is more or was more of a distraction, the transfer portal or NIL? You know, it was a combination. Uh, the transfer portal, after my, my last year, my, my first year at, uh, at North Texas, we lost uh, – two very good players, and they were definitely D1 players. Uh, uh, they went to UCLA, really good players, good kids, um, and they did well out there. Uh, we lost a couple other kids, and then this year, uh, uh, or last year, we lost a couple of guys just on NIL stuff. So, um, you know, what I don't like is, is there's not a common denominator you know, uh, I read something recently about A&M and uh, made a statement said, you know, the state of Texas allows us to do this. And the NCAA said they're going to have to abide by this. 
and basically you've got a state law and you've got the NCAA. Uh, I don't know how, how do you, who do you respond to on that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how is that going to work when you're, you know, you're a member of the NCAA by, by agreeing to go by their rules, but yet on this one, because it benefits you, you're going to, you're going to go by state law. I mean, I don't know. You tell me, what are you hearing on that? How's that going to, how's that going to happen? And then you go to Florida, they can't do that. And there becomes a distinct NIL advantage with your on campus people being able to manage, uh, what you're doing and, and you can't do it at Ole Miss. You can't do it in Mississippi state. How did, how did they make that fair? Yeah, coach, they, uh, it, like, it looks like it, A&M has kind of indicated that they're going to follow the state law. Uh, or is that's where they're going because I I get a feeling that a lot of their big politically tied in people help push for that same thing at Texas as where schools like Baylor we've had Mac Rhodes tell us they're going to follow the NCAA law it doesn't benefit right. them to but do you think that's also the case and you mentioned this Phil Craig's mentioned this as well because those two aren't worried about the NCAA even though A and M's been hit before a handful of times when you're a smaller school or a smaller fish, no matter how good you might be, you just don't want to mess with it. Yeah. I, I think that very well could be the answer, but, but there has to be uh, some guidelines. And I think every coach in America uh, will say the same thing. You, you know, it's gotta be equal. I mean, you know, when you're sitting in there, Baylor, A&M, they're 90 miles apart. I mean, they're going to impede, you know, they're they're trying for the same thing, get to the playoff, win a national championship. Uh, you have to have something. It's got to be a fairness. Now, I understand this. There are the ones that, hey, some have more things than others. I mean, Lord knows, University of Texas, you know, has always been able to, to, to outdo the people in the state of Texas. Now A and M has moved up, but I just don't know where you know where the the, the bottom line is going to be with it. Uh, because the, everybody said, "Well, the NCAA's done." That's not true. I mean, at this point right now, the NCAA is still in charge of college football. Mm-hmm. And, and now, how much longer? I don't know. Is this going to be there? Is this going to be the end of? It? That's the question. I don't know that. I mean, you look at you. You look at the, what's happening in the in the playoffs when it goes to twelve teams. You know, a lot of people talk about. A lot of people I know that are very well informed. They think that they're going to take over. There's going to be you know sixty eight teams, and, and it's going to be the the bowl subdivision team, whatever it is, and there won't be an NCA. I don't know if that's about. You know, it, I, I don't know. Have you heard that? Man, we've heard it all. We've heard it all. We really have. We've heard it all. We've heard it. You know, some are just going to send the middle finger and go ahead and see what you can do. And then there's some that are nervous about maybe they've already overstepped their boundaries and worried about taxes and what's the write-off or what can be done here. Uh, I know Del Conte sent out a letter saying, okay, hey, we need to kind of, you know, this is what we need to look at. So even the big boys have to still wonder, okay, wait a minute, the NCAA feels like nobody cares about them because they have no power, and that's about the time they want to show their power. Yeah, I've always wondered, though, Coach, why the NCAA just doesn't take the laws in Florida and Texas, take out a couple of little smaller things they don't like, and make that the rule. That way there's the rules. It's the same for everybody. Now you don't have to worry about 
anybody's state legislature patching it. Here's the rule. Here's what everybody's agreed to. And then we're going to move on. And based on your actual coffers is how you can work within these rules. Because otherwise the schools are going to, especially the states are going to be one step ahead of them because there's always going to be, you know, somebody like the guy in Miami who was getting looked at by the NCAA and he just called up and, told the couple politicians like, Hey, I would like this to go away. Can you please pass a law? And they said, absolutely. We'll thank you for a donation next time around. And that's how it right. changed. You well, know, when I, yeah. when, when A&M went into the, into the, uh, SEC, I think it's 12 years ago, a very prominent coach who's a friend of mine made a statement. I said, A&M's good enough. He goes, Phil. And he, he was adamant. He said, he said there'll never be a blue bud of the SEC. He said blue bloods are set. He said they'll be down there with with, with uh, South Carolina, Arkansas, them Arkansas, and, I, and and I'm in the store. I'm thinking, what the hell do you think you are? And uh, <laughs> I ran into him recently, and it's true. I mean, the SEC is a blue blood conference. If you you know, if you're if you're going to say, "Hey, we're not going to abide by what we think," I mean, you're sitting there, and and it's Alabama, it, it's Florida, it's Georgia, it's Auburn, it's Tennessee. You know, those guys are you know, and, and if I just don't know uh, when you sit there and say, hey, "We're going to we're going to do what we want to do," how you know how much that will carry. And I do know this. I I, I think that one of the great things about that conference. Is is they've always had a commissioner that that dealt with with everybody, and uh, it, it was it's sort of crazy, but uh, it'd be interesting. You know, and I and I don't and I don't blame A and M at all for trying to get ahead of the curve, but it's got to be good for everybody, I would think. Hey, uh, it's been a while. Can't wait to get locked in for the football season to hear your knowledge and insight from what happens the weekend before and just college football in general. Phil, we love you, man. Thanks for your time. and glad to have you back on the show. Hey, thank you guys. Look forward to talking to you again. Phil, Phil Bennett, always a great segment, always just exactly how he feels, not this, well, wait a minute, I need to probably, doesn't care. He's transparent. And- the future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Aaron, it's premium grade East Texas beef, and you're located just outside of Tyler. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids, the kind of beef that people want. And then also your label is what catches people's attention as well. Yes, uh, we have an all-natural pasture-raised uh, Wagyu beef. It's a USDA label. That means our cattle never spend any time in the feed yard. They go straight from the pasture to the day of harvest, and we oversee the whole process. 
process from the beginning of the genetic choices when we make these matings to the time the calves are born to the, the feed choices all the way through uh, when the animals are harvested. So we oversee the whole thing as a family, and we just believe, you know, life's too short to eat average beef. So uh, we uh, offer people a chance to step up their game and uh, try uh, Wagyu Beef at TexasBeefHouse.com. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy. Raise your cholesterol and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 things Texas has to do to win the Big 12. Look, they've been picked number one. We've been talking about it. For a couple of days now, but these are the five things that they have to do in order to make sure that they win the Big 12. Number five, the simplest one is replace B. John Robinson. They've got the depth to do it, and they probably will do it, but you can't have the 
this list without saying Bijan Robinson was a is a huge person you got to replace because he's one of the best running backs we've seen in the last decade in college football. He's drafted eighth overall. Uh, yes, they've always been able to kind of roll through running backs there, but he was very special. And Jonathan Brooks, Jaden Blue, they should be up to the task. They're not expected to be Bijan Robinson. You got to replace him, but. And you have to replace Roshan Johnson as well. It's a, a one-two punch that was really good in the running game. They have to do that. Uh, I think that they can. I think this is probably the easiest one of the list to do. But uh, you can't have this list without mentioning Bijan. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some drop-off unless they just have another top-ten type pick on campus, which they very well may. But I think uh, even those guys are young at this point. So uh, to expect them to you know perform the way Bijan did after a bit of seasoning is – uh, you know, not fair, and he's just an all-world talent to begin with. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to leave big shoes. I think they can mostly fill him, at least initially. Uh, beyond that, I think they'll be pretty okay. But there's just certain moments in games where he makes a move that not everybody else can make that's just, you know, separates him as, as being the special type of player that he is. So th- they'll miss some, but I don't think this is something where it's a giant hole on their roster. No, but I couldn't not have him on the list. Number four. Win more than nine games, something that Steve Sarkeesian has not done in his head coaching career, uh, and this team is primed to do it. But if they're going to win this league, for sure. Now, they might be able to win it at nine games. We don't know. But, like, for sure to win this league, they've got to win more than nine games. They're going to be favored in 11 of the 12 games, uh, absolutely. And they need to, you know, probably be 11-1 and one or 10-2. and two. As they if they will go into the Big Twelve Championship game to ensure that they can do that, uh, so they've got to do that. Uh, this is Sark's best chance to do that, at least outwardly in the season. But they've got to do that if they want to win the Big Twelve. Well, uh, last year K State won ten games and uh, TCU won thirteen. So uh, yeah, I mean that's that's about right. Uh, would be at nine wins because they had to have that to to get to where they were. So yeah, um, win more than nine games and you'll find yourself playing for a Big Twelve title most likely. And uh, you know, depending on how many more, like you said, maybe a college football playoff or something along those lines. I'm not I'm not going that far with it. Like I did you know, select him as my favorite to win the conference, but I don't know that I'm jumping on the college football playoff train. If they're ten and two, they're not gonna be in the playoff. And that's right. Where I kinda, that's where I kinda envision them. Yeah. So um close but no cigar. Yeah, I think that they'll be right in that neck of the woods, but um yeah, it definitely needs to be more than nine games, one would think, or it's just an an, an interesting year, an ugly year where everybody beats up on each other so much because we've been sitting here speculating about how good everybody's even going to be. Like, if there's so many questions, uh, that's certainly possible that everybody could just eat their own, but um, that's, that's the ballpark. Number three, make sure the sh- stars shine on defense. That, that means Ford. That means these guys that are, are picked to be well. Jalen Catalan, they've got to make sure that those guys uh, are key parts of every game and that the defense is not an afterthought, which in several of Steve Sarkeesian's previous head coaching stops, it's, it has been. The defense is much better last year, and they seem to know what they're doing there. But to me, I think for them to take that next step, they really have to make sure that these guys that, they're, that they believe are studs and everyone else in the country thinks are studs on defense are a huge part of why they're winning games. They've got some uh, talent, as you mentioned, and um, you know I'll, I'll just take however it gets done. I don't care if it's a team of just no names or if it's uh, you know three or four stars that that uh, lead you the rest of the way. I mean, they've certainly got the the talent. 
I do wonder, and I'm like everybody else, and you know just how much of an impact Gary Patterson made last year. You know how much of that is is no longer a part of the equation because he's uh, moved on. I do think he deserves some credit, but we just don't know really how much. Like yeah. how much was him? How much was Kwiatkowski? How much was you know others that that dabble? But they do have some stars, and and yeah, if those guys are are in the headlines and getting accolades, and that means something's going right, and um, and they're doing well on defense. Yep. Number two. Don't let the Alabama game define the season. And that, that means either way. That means don't let it define your season if you beat them. Because if you think back to the famous Texas's back game, that was them beating a Notre Dame team, and both those teams wound up being kind of average. Um, Alabama might be a great Alabama team. It might be a down Alabama team. You don't know it's going to be week two. If you lose that game and you're all excited about it, don't let it ruin later on attempts at other games because that can happen teams can be bummed don't let it you know here we go again don't don't let it creep into it the Alabama game has to be looked at as a total one-off for them in my opinion for them to to really roll through like yes they want it let it build if they win it let it build confidence if you lose it completely clear it and move on because it has nothing to do with you winning the big 12 but if you show weakness in the aftermath of that game or or too much pride, then you're going to be in trouble. I mean, I think they handled it pretty well last year, yeah. right? I mean, they just – hey, it is what it was. And if anything, it was a confidence builder that they even competed. So I'd imagine it'll be something like that again. Like, if they lose a close game, oh, well, you lost to Bama. Like, okay, join the join the club, the club that you've already been a part of a few times, um, and most people have. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think there's a risk if they win that game of – like, I don't worry about them losing um, and any after effects of that. But if they win that game, then, yeah, I guess there's the potential that – you get a little over your skis as far as how good you are, um, but I don't know. Let's let that 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 time occur first because that's that's not a given. Um, although, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of people out there that think that they could very well knock Bama off, and um, you know, with that could come a lot of oh, we are back, and everybody's telling us we're back, and you know, we've seen that song and dance before. So yeah, don't let the like uh, the saying go, don't let the highs get too high, the lows get too low. Uh, that's how you got to play it, even keel. And if Steve Sarkeesian's a smart coach and he appears to be, then then that's how they'll they'll play that. Yep. And number one, Quinn Ewers needs to be draft ready by the end of the season. If Quinn Ewers is coming back for another year, then I think that means that Texas had a bad year. Uh, I do. Um, unless it's just one of those things that's ridiculous. And But if Quinn Ewers is draft ready, and I mean he's going to be a first-round talent and all that, then that means that Texas has probably won the Big 12 because that meant he's doing what everybody expects him to do, which is deal this year. But in my opinion, if Quinn Ewers is not in the draft this next year, if he comes back and uses another year of eligibility, that's probably means Texas got close but didn't win the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, or he got hurt or, you yeah. know, but I, I know what you're saying here. And there'll be a logjam, right, if he comes back. So they kind of need him to to move on in so many ways uh, because of Malik Murphy, because of Arch Manning, because of just the whole crew and, you know, the quarterbacks that will continue coming in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. On the one hand, like, I, I feel bad for Quinn Ewers because he was preordained to be, like, a, at Texas for two years and gone to the NFL to be a first-round pick guy. And, I mean – I mean, I, I felt like we got hit over the head with how good he's supposed to be and how great he'll be so quickly, and he'll be a first-round guy. So, you know, last year was a bit of a mulligan because it was his first real year of playing. Um, but, yeah, I think this year we'll, we'll say a lot about, you know, where exactly they are. Um, uh, and if he's 
performing like a guy who's good enough to go off to the first round of the NFL draft. And like you said, that'll be they're probably having a pretty great year. And if he's there, you know, maybe he has to transfer to like West. You know, if it start talking about that, then yeah, yeah, things went really sideways, and he's probably not starting after a while. And Malik Murphy or somebody else has taken over the reins. So yeah, a lot of eyes on him. He seems prepared for it. He's got talent. Uh, definitely was banged up a bit last year, and really. Way too overhyped. I mean, he's really good, but dude, like, let him get there. Like Arch Manning's already won three Heisman's. You know, <laughs> let I mean, him get there. But but I feel like with Quinn, there was, and not, it's not his fault. There's just such high expectations. Uh, so yeah, he, he's going to be fascinating to to see you know, progress throughout this year and where that ends up when all is said and done. Absolutely. All right. Thank you to Levi, Graham, Emery, Garrett, uh, all here. Jack McKenzie will be back from vacation. And maybe he wasn't overhyped. Maybe he'll show that this year. But up to this point, you see why people are so high on him. But it's also like we still need to see a bit more. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And, yeah, Jack McKenzie will be back. That's good. be back on Monday. So, we'll Smokey, uh, we'll hear it for two days, and then off to Big 12 Media Days. Thanks to Josh Neighbors, Brian Estridge, and Colin Wilson as well, and, of course, to Phil Bennett. Uh, We are off um, for the weekend, as everybody is. Uh, We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-888-3333.